Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one. Now switch back to Jesus. Give Jesus a great big hand clap all over the place. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, you can be comfortably seated. Welcome to service number 20-something, halfway through number week, uh, week number two. I'm going to preach a message tonight I've never preached before, and I'm going to start off by showing you a video, uh, the one I, I sent you first about Penn State. This, uh, when our ministry really took off in, when I was 30 years old, it really went to another level. What happened was uh, I had like a normal meeting. It was scheduled for three days. Like you saw how this meeting was extended. I'd never had any meetings extended in, uh, what, probably eight years, preaching full time. And then we went to this one church. And it blew up. I mean, it just went from 180 on Sunday to about 500 by the end of the first week. And the place only seated 350. People just coming from everywhere. Cars parked where they shouldn't be parked. All the neighbors were angry. The whole thing. That's called revival. Amen. If the cops, if the cops haven't been called, you haven't had revival. I was wondering. I was like, well, you can have my phone. I guess we're closer friends than, than I thought. So... I was wondering if the church had some kind of policy about no electronics, and it was like preaching at an Amish church. I don't know. So anyway, what, what happens in a revival is people get stirred, as you know, people get stirred up, and I don't just mean like shout and stuff. What happens and what people that don't know anything about the Holy Ghost or revival don't understand is people are shouting because their spirit is getting stirred up, and then that doesn't leave after the meeting. God starts to put visions and dreams in people to do big things, and then if they attempted something big and failed, God's giving them power to get up and, uh, and complete the original thing he told them to do. Amen. Well, one guy, his name was Salam Soni. He's from the Democratic Republic of Congo, living in uh, Pennsylvania. He was going into his senior year at Penn State, and because of that revival and seeing all the people saved, he thought, it's a shame that I'm getting ready to graduate Penn State and the school is going to be the same as when I started. I've gone there four years as a Holy Ghost-filled Christian. I've not really led anybody to the Lord. And so I want to do something to win people to the Lord. So because he's, he's from Africa, you know, if he was from the United States, he would have uh, had two people come to his dorm room with pizza and Mountain Dew and tried to win people to the Lord one, one every six months. But because he's from Central Africa, he thought, I'm going to do what we do in Central Africa. I'm going to get a permit from the school to put up a stage and do a crusade. And then God gave him an idea how to, uh, how to get a crowd, because how are you going to get people? You just announce that you're going to have a preacher come. Nobody's coming, but he had a great idea. And the idea the Lord gave him was on incoming freshman weekend, everybody's coming in from out of town. It's their first time really free from their parents, and everybody wants to party. But the problem is they don't know where to go party because it's a, it's a new place, new location. And so he announced incoming freshman weekend party. And he had electronic dance music going, you know, just D DJs, that, that kind of thing. One DJ, then he had a second DJ. And then after the second DJ, I, the plan was for me to come up and ruin everybody's night. And so uh, his plan worked. There's about a thousand freshmen there at a university. And I've preached in all kinds of places. Prison, I preached in the prison where the Pittsburgh synagogue shooter is right now. 
with those guys. I've preached in inner city Philadelphia where we had somebody shot as soon as I finished the altar call, probably back where that tree line is, about that far away with a police helicopter coming. But you couldn't preach, you know, other than, other than maybe like Pakistan in Islamabad, maybe it would be worse than an American university, but it's a different kind of worse because like the mocking hatred towards God that there is on a university probably can't be matched anywhere. And so when I got there, you could feel the resistance. I mean, you could feel like if I got the microphone, it was not going to go well. And then you always have some encouraging minister, that, uh, which I had that night, that came up to me when I was backstage. Man, I'm glad you're preaching. I don't even know what I'd do if I was up there. A, yeah. Thanks for the encouragement. Why don't you go uh, get a horse and live in the mountains and stop bothering me? Amen. So that's an old Don Rickles line. Relax. I'm not being mean, just saying a little Don Rickles. God rest his soul. Anyway, so I go out in the woods, and I started praying, and I said, Father, you know when you called me into the ministry when I was eight, you knew that this day would come. This didn't surprise you, and you know the way to navigate through this. I ask you to please show me how, and it's like the Lord just cut me off and started to speak to me. He said, for the first seven minutes, right in my spirit, the crowd is going to be very hostile. Don't address them. Don't say something like your Sunday school teacher would say, now guys, come on, let's quiet, let's be respectful. If you, he said, if you do that, it'll actually unite the crowd against you. Just keep quoting scriptures about how much I love them, and then God gave me some encouragement, because the first seven minutes are going to be rough is not exactly encouraging. But the Lord said, remember, they look like big, tough 18 and 19-year-olds, but 10 years ago, they were 8 and 9. They have a 10-year-old callus built up on their spirit from whatever's happened, but if you'll preach, the anointing will lay, will lay waste to that callus, and they'll turn before your eyes back into eight and nine-year-olds. And so I preach for about 28 minutes, and uh, we cut it down to six minutes. And this still, maybe of everything that's happened in the last 17 years since I went to the full-time ministry, it, it serves as an amazement to me. I'm actually really glad I got it on film. And I can tell you about five minutes in, I thought I had paid $2,200 to film the greatest failure of my life in stunning high definition. <laughs> but the video now shows... And that, you know, and then that was 2014. I ended up going into inner city Philadelphia to preach crusades in 2015. And you, you, you never realize at the time that every victory that God gives you is actually preparing you for the next bigger victory. So then when you stand up and it's a, you know, an inner city Philadelphia in the Muslim section and it's, it's a large crowd of Muslims and gangsters, and all, but you're not afraid because, you know, you've already been in an intimidating, in an intimidating situation and saw how to navigate through it. Now, I'm playing this because I'm going to talk, preach about dreaming big, which is not a subject in my wheelhouse, but I, I felt the gift of faith. If you were, how many of you were in the day service? So I felt the gift of faith coming. I want to talk about how the gift of faith correlates to having a big dream in life because this guy, Salem Sony, at 23, has a vision not to lead three people to the Lord in his college. You know, none of the outreach groups from denominations would have anything to do with it. And so he, he just gets ready to do it. Well, when the school finds out that he's, he's going to have a preaching event, they can't cancel it because it's discrimination. So they jack the price of the permit up to $23,000. Because they you know they know a student's not going to be able to raise $23,000, and he had less than six weeks to come up with the money. But they don't understand Christians, and they specifically don't understand African Christians. Because African Christians pray. And when they pray, they know how to pray and get an answer. 
And so then when they told him, well, you're going to have to have $23,000 to pay the permit fee, he went into his room and prayed and began to ask the Lord for it. And in less than three weeks, at 23 years old, brought in $23,000, no ministry, no, no anything, and, and did the whole thing. And so when we talk about big dreams, a lot of Christians divorce faith and the blessing of God and dreaming like that's some side thing, and then there's real Christianity that reaches souls. But you're not going to be able to do the work of the gospel if you don't have an overflowing cup. And when God gives you a dream, the dream is your path to have an overflowing cup. God's will is not for you as a Christian to help advance the vision of a heathen business owner. God, you know, thanks for one grunt and no amens. God's goal for you as a Christian is not to advance the agenda of a heathen business owner. The Bible says, I will make you the head and not the tail. You know what that means? That means you don't sign the back of a paycheck. You sign the front of paychecks. That the day will come where any single mother that comes to Pastor Daniel that says, I need a job. He'll say, well, I know Gary's always hiring. I know Bill's always hiring. And I know Sheila just started a company and it so took off. She already hired 25 people, but I think she needs 100 more workers. Can you say amen? amen. So your dream will actually create room for other people. And then who finances the gospel, by the way? I can tell you when those $23,000 were needed, Coors didn't write any checks. Budweiser didn't write any checks. Playboy didn't write any checks. The heathen don't fund the gospel. Christians fund the gospel. And if, if the devil and the American system can get you just broken down, focused on paying the rent, and paying for your alternator, and that you need new snow tires, and your whole life revolves around, that's not life, that's survival. I need tires, I need new bread. That's just making it. God wants you to be a blessing. That you have, a, I will anoint your head with oil, your cup of blessing will run over. That's what God's going to do for everybody that's interested tonight. In the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and roll the Penn State video and I'll be back with you at the end of the video. Go ahead. I mean, it's like 99% unsafe people. I have the pleasure to introduce you guys. A great mentor to me is going to give you guys, speak to you guys a little bit. A quick message right quick. Put your hands together for Jonathan Shuttlesworth. In the beginning, they like me because the best DJ always goes last. And I'm like skinny and European looking. So Thank you so much. I think that's the happiest anybody's ever been to see me. So thank you. I appreciate you sticking around up until now. This is going to be the best part of your night. And if you listen, it's going to be something that will impact your life for the rest of your life. Amen. How many of you are freshmen just starting out right now? What an awesome time to allow God to do something in your life tonight. Uh-oh, I said the G word. Sure Something's up. That everything works Something out the way God Something doesn't feel right anymore. 
And I want to see that I happen. I think we've been tricked. You know, this is a little bit of a different party. Penn State. They're chanting Most we are Penn State over top go. of Most places that you go to party, you wake up in the morning and wonder what you did. The only difference on this one is we want you to lay your head to the pillow at night tonight and know that you have peace with God and that your sins are forgiven. This isn't about religious fanaticism. Jesus didn't die for religious fanatics. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Jesus said in Matthew 7, broad is the way that leads to destruction, but straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to everlasting life. We know the easy thing to do is stay with the crowd or mock or say that's a bunch of foolishness. But it takes courage and conviction to not bank your life and bank your eternal soul against the word of God that's always proved true. But to say, I'm going to make up my mind. You can't speak for the whole group. You can only speak for you. You can make up your mind tonight and say, as for me and my life, I'm not going to go to hell. I'm going to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. If you say, Jonathan, that's me. I don't know that I'm saved or I know that I'm not saved. But tonight I want to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me right now. And we're going to pray. God bless you. Keep it up in the air. God bless you. Look all over this place. Wonderful. Don't they look Praise like little kids at a VBS now? Hallelujah. Well, go ahead and clap as they lift their hands. You made my night. I start preaching in Ohio in the morning, so I have to leave right after this. But this, I'm going to drive back with a big smile on my face because I know God's going to do a great work right now. This is what I want, only because this isn't my way of doing things. This is God's way of doing things. He said, if you confess me before men. So August 30th, 2014, for the rest of your life will be the day where when you lay your head to the pillow, you can say, I know I'm saved. Appreciate the keyboardist the playing the music field, from the closing credits of Friday the 13th like while I give the altar call. I confessed call. him publicly. I want every person that lifted a hand Freaking that meant business with God. I want you to come around this barrier and meet me right in front of the speakers, and we're going to pray together. I won't hold you long. I'm not going to do anything Watch strange. Watch the girl in the pink with her boyfriend. I want you to come out of the crowd and join me right here in Jesus' name. Go ahead, clap for them as they come. Keep clapping. That's a good woman. The hands that clap for souls should marry her. never be empty. Come right around the barrier and meet me right here. Welcome. Stand right here. We're going to pray. They don't even know what an altar They don't know what to look like. we're going to stone them. So you, you can face, it's like, okay, whatever so you guys do to you. This is not a game. This is real. This Just is not raw sinners. Thing. This is when God reaches down from heaven and changes your heart. I only do this, not so this turns into some religious recital. Some people have never prayed. So I'm going to give you the words to say. And I want you to say them from the bottom of your heart. Come on, say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to show you that I'm, I mean business with you. I'm sorry for my sins. Please forgive me. Have mercy on me. I need your help. I'm not like everybody else. So I don't want to live like everybody else. I want to live for you. I want to fulfill the destiny you have for me. In Jesus' name. 
Now say this, I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Make me like you. Give me a new heart. Cleanse my mind. Make me new. In Jesus' name, I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. And I'll live forever. And I will not turn back. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. One more time, give a great hand clap to Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I love you. God bless every one of you. Isn't that great? I've watched that video almost 200 times. I still get nervous after the first two minutes. <laughs> Not looking good for the home team. Judges chapter 6. Verse 11, the Bible says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Ebezer. <clears throat> Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, everybody say mighty hero. Mighty hero, mighty hero the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength I give you and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Say, I am sending you. The Lord, but Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. But the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Everybody say, I will be with you. I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. You read the rest of that story? And God took that dejected guy named Gideon, and when the might of God came upon him, he delivered his entire nation. That's the story of the Bible. The Bible's one story after another of a generation rebelling against God and then God taking one man or one woman and giving them a dream to impact their generation. You are not on earth by, sent by God. First of all, you're sent by God to your generation. You were born for such a time as this. You're not on the earth by accident. You're of divine design. And God didn't make a mistake when he put you here. God put you here for such a time as this. If you believe that, put those two Alaskan hands together and give God... A great hand clap. Now, man's default, in fact, let me read something else. Turn to Numbers chapter 13. I'll show you another place. So that's Judges. Go back to the left, Numbers chapter 13. My Bible, it's page 121. If you have a different Bible, you're on your own. Numbers 13. So Moses sends 12 spies to scout out the land that God told them he'd give them. Not that he told them he would give them. I have already given you their land. But just because God gives you something doesn't mean you just waltz in and take it. There's, say this with me. Say there's giants in every man's promised land. So Numbers chapter 13, 
The Bible says after the 12 spies go out to scout the land. Now, they're not supposed to be making a decision on whether to take the land or not, just to scout it out on how best to take the land. Numbers 13, 21. So they went up and explored the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near Lebohamath. Thank God for phonics. Going north, they passed through the Negev and arrived at Hebron where Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, all descendants of Anak. Everybody say giants. Yeah, Goliath was a descendant of Anak. The ancient town of Hebron was founded seven years before the Egyptian city of Zon. When they came to the valley of Eshkol, they cut down a branch with a single cluster of grapes so large that it took two men to carry it on a pole between them, one cluster of grapes. They also brought back, man, before Monsanto messed everything up, must have been nice eating grapes. Amen. When they, uh, uh, so large that it took two of them to carry it on a pole between them, they also brought back samples of the pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkol, which means, turn the page, cluster. Because of the cluster of grapes, the Israelite men cut there, 25. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. I'm, you know, I'm just assuming they spoke in like a Scooby-Doo uh, victim voice. The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among uh, the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb, everybody say, but Caleb. Now, their 10 spies gave that report. Caleb and Joshua uh, have a different report. And nobody remembers the name of the 10 spies. I used to hear preachers say that all the time. Nobody knows the name of the 10 spies. So I did my best to memorize them. I can't remember one of them. And one time when I told my father that who's a preacher, he said, because there's never an anointing to remember unbelief. Nobody knows the name of the 10 guys that said you can't do it, but everybody remembers to this day. I mean, you think about it, that there's a white boy in Alaska preaching to a few hundred Alaskans about guys that lived several thousand years ago because faith will make a legacy for you. Can you say amen? And so John, uh, Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Listen to what he said. Let's go at once and take the land, for we can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this evil report of unbelief. Everybody say evil. evil. Say unbelief. unbelief. Now let's connect it. Say unbelief is evil. Unbelief. That's right. God hates unbelief. God's greatest insult is to be doubted. God's greatest pleasure is for man to believe him. That's what faith is. Faith is God, I believe your word. I don't know how that can happen. Unbelief opens the door. Unbelief doesn't only open the door to the devil. Unbelief opens the door and magnetizes demonic attack. How many of you were here when I played my Uncle Ted's video either last night or in week one? My Uncle Ted was praying in upstate New York uh, a, a big guy got touched in the meeting and then went and picked his mother up two and a half hours away and drove her to the meeting later in the week. And he said, Brother Ted, in the meeting, my mother is deaf, like total hearing loss. 
can you pray that God will open her ears? Because you know, he had had services like the one I put on there. It gives people faith. So he takes her hearing aids out that she couldn't even hear with them, puts, the, puts his fingers in her ears like Jesus did, and said, I command your ears in the name of Jesus Christ to come open. She, you know, her eyes perked up. She could hear before he even took the fingers out. After he took his fingers out of her ear, she was hearing a watch tick. Everybody praised God. It was great. Service is over five minutes. The son comes back in and says to my uncle, excuse me, Brother Ted, can you help me? My mother locked herself in my car. So my uncle went to get a coat hanger to pick the lock. You know, we weren't always saved. And so uh, gets a coat hanger to pick the lock. And then he starts thinking when he grabs the coat hanger, wait a minute, and she locked herself in the car and just told her to pop the lock from the inside and get out. And he said, no, you don't understand. She locked herself in the car because she's mad. I said, mad about what? He said, we were, well, I don't know. We were walking out of the sanctuary. And I said, isn't that great, Mom, that Jesus opened your ears up? And she said, I hope it lasts. And as soon as she said, I hope it lasts, both ears closed right back up. People don't understand that your life is going to be defined, not what God's will is for your life. How many people, how many people was it God's will to go into the, to the promised land that were his children? All of them. How many went in? Joshua's family and Caleb's family. It was God's will for everybody to go in, but unbelief kept, I mean, like 90-some percent of the people from entering into what God wanted them to have and nothing has changed thousands of years later. There are people that still allow the unbelief that's in their family, unbelief that they have. Now, you know, why is there tons of people coming twice a day to these meetings? Because a person like me is a rarity. You don't have to go to an unbelief conference or an un you don't have to seek out unbelief. You don't have to go find, say, hey, I heard that guy's preaching unbelief. Let's go find, that's not special. You'll have a million people in your life, and you probably already have, that tell you what you can't do, what the limitations are, that there's giants in the land, that the people are mightier than us, that there's no use making any money because government takes it all anyway, and just discourage, discourage, discourage. But there is a spirit called faith. Faith is not something you check on a census form. Protestant, Catholic, other. Faith is a spirit drawn from the word of God that speaks out of your mouth and produces a different destiny. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We have the same spirit the psalmist had when he said, I believe God and so I speak. And I'll get into that later. But notice that. We have the same spirit of faith. And so it's not something you can try to have. When things go wrong, you can't shake your head and try to get some faith. You can't be like, well, you know, pastor, this is going wrong and this is going wrong, but I'm trying to stay strong. You can't try to stay strong. Faith is like a muscle. You develop it ahead of time so that in the time of battle, your faith will be purified like gold tried in the fire. That's why God blesses these meetings because if faith is going to define your life, and it will, and unbelief will define your life, and I believe in God for you, it won't, then how do you get faith? How do you build faith? How does faith come? If I need a groceries, I've only been in Alaska a few weeks, but I know where to go. You go to Fred Meyer. If I need, uh, if I need clothes, then I'm going to have to drive into Anchorage, and I know a couple of places there. But then what about faith? Where do you go to get faith? Faith only comes from one place. You can pray in the Spirit and stir up your faith that's already there, but faith does not come by praying. Faith cometh by Hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the word of God. 
By the way, I'll just add something to that. Because the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you study it out, and I'm not real big on going back into the original language, but it's worth understanding because that doesn't really make sense. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The second hearing connotates understanding. Faith cometh by hearing and understanding the word of God. That, oh, God said I can have the promised land. He said he's already turned that land over to me. And that though there be giants in the land, if the Lord is with us, then he'll deliver them into our hand and there'll be but bread for us. Okay, then I can go at once. Faith comes by hearing. And that's why sitting here for 10 days or 11 days, some of you twice a day, it's been like eating a good meal. It, doesn't, it, it feeds your inner man. You, you could have started off two weeks ago and felt like I'm not going to make it. But now you think, I can do all things because Christ is giving me strength. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So watch what happens. If the Lord is with us, uh, we should go at once against them. But the other men said, no, they're stronger than we are. So they spread this evil report. Everybody say evil report. Evil report of unbelief. Among the Israelites, the land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants. They were the descendants of Anak, and next to them we looked like grasshoppers, which is a lie. The giants were tall, but you can go Google it when you get home. They found their bones. They were nine, nine feet tall, 13 feet tall, but not like a grasshopper to a human. Unbelief will always exaggerate the power of the, what's against you and minimize the power of what's for you. Faith will, faith will amplify what's for you and minimize what's against you. Can you say amen? We were like grasshoppers. Everybody say grasshopper complex. Okay, I'm just a single you know, I'm in my 50s now. 14 1. Then the whole community began weeping. Unbelief always leads to weeping. You go to churches that have unbelief and don't have any miracles, sad music. Oh, God. When the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of at his right hand pleasures forevermore. The whole community began weeping aloud and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt. What a, what a great confession. God brought them out, parted the Red Sea, and put them through on dry ground. And now they're saying, if only we had died. That's unbelief, man, that God will part the Red Sea. There's some people that complain, and you say, yeah, but remember God did this, this, and I know. And that was wonderful. Say this with me. Say, God didn't bring me this far to fail. That's right. He didn't just bring them out of Egypt to drop them in the desert. He told them ahead of time, I'm bringing you into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And I want to tell every man and woman that here today. God's not through blessing you. He didn't bring you this far to leave you. He brought you where you are now to bring you into your promised land to taste the grapes. Their voice rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Now listen to what they say. Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Church split. 
Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephthunah, tore their clothing, which when you have faith, unbelief really rankles you. I try to not let it rain. When I hear it, I can't stand it. I was preaching in India, and people get mad. They're free to get mad. I can't help it. I was sitting in church. They're singing a song. I've announced we're going to have a healing meeting. When I'm old and my strength is failing. Okay, enough. <laughs> Cut it off. If, it, two things. You can either sing that song, and I'm going to drive back home, or you can shut up, and I'm going to preach. Because you can't mix faith and unbelief. You can't say out of one side of your mouth, when I'm old and my strength is failing, and then say I'm believing God to heal me and make me strong. Well, it's just words. Yeah, read what God has to say about words. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your words matter. I said your words matter. I was in uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania, staying in, if, if the pastor's watching from Allentown, he thinks I'm going to tell a bad story about his church. I'm just, I'm not. I'm going to tell a bad story about the hotel. I was getting ready to preach on confession and the power of, of life and death is in your tongue. I'm walking down the hall Sunday morning, reading over my notes, and as I'm preaching about the importance of speaking faith and speaking faith to your children, one of the hotel doors opened, and it's a grandfather, his father, and the grandson. They came there to watch, I think it was the American Hockey League uh, uh, all-star game in the middle, middle, of the, middle of the season. So I'm walking down, and I know it's them because we shared the elevator together. He opens the door, and I hear him say this. Man, that floor gets further away every year. And then says to his grandson, you'll see when you get older. As you get older, enjoy your strength now because it's no fun once you get older. Well, that, that you know, everybody has a choice of what they're going to speak to their children. You can tell your kids how hard it is. Like 90-some percent of us have. Wait till you're heating this place. Wait till you're the one that has to put, what do you guys use, oil or what? Oil, wood, beaver pelts, whale blubber, whatever burns. Anything flammable. I already knew the answer. I don't even know why I asked the question. Wait till you're the one filling the tank on this place. Wait till shut the refrigerator door. You know how much electricity is? You wait till you enjoy, have fun playing video games now. Because when you're the one with two jobs and your husband walks out on you, yeah, and they prophesy a gloomy future. Do you want to know what one of the great benefits of these meetings are? Is now there's going to be mothers and fathers and grandparents, grandmothers and, and grandfathers, that instead of their children and grandchildren hearing how hard life is, they're going to have somebody tell and I hope you do it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11, talk about it when you're at home, and talk about it when you're on the road, so that it will be as it were days of heaven upon the earth. You're commanded by God. The Bible says, write it on the doorposts of your home. Teach it to your children. You don't wait for church. You should make a point every day. Son, you're blessed. You know, my, my daughter was two and a half. It was New Year's Eve. I just preached what I just said to you, bless your children, and then I thought on the way home, I don't even do that at home. I've done it in the service. I've never done it at home. I just go home and watch TV like a normal person. And so when we got home, I, I took my daughter by each side of the head. I said, Camila, lift your hands. She did what she was told. And I said, you're blessed. I bless you this, this uh, today in Jesus' name. You're to have the best year you've ever had. And she starts crying because I'm holding the side of her head. So they might not get it. I'm not talking to her. I'm talking to her down on the inside. I tell her, you can do all things. You can be great. 
Jesus is going to help you in life. You're going to do, you're going to surpass where your father has gone. As good as God has been to me. That's what I did. That's what I decided to do. Instead of saying how much stuff costs, I've been telling her at four and five and now six. Camila, you see this nice house we have? Yep. See this nice TV? Yep. See how you have your own iPad to watch whatever stupid, annoying thing you watch? (laughs) That they should play is to get confessions out of Al-Qaeda in Guantanamo Bay. You wouldn't even need to do waterboarding. Just play Barney 24 hours a day. People would be ratting people out left and right. He's in the Raqqa on 6th Street. I'll show you right where he is. Just to... You know how you have that iPad? Yeah. Do you know who gave that to you? You did. No. The Lord did. You know how we have all these nice things? Yeah. I said you will have even more nice things. Because you remember Grandpa Tiff, my red-haired dad that's been here to preach? Yeah. God had helped him. And then God has helped me more than he's helped him. And God will help you more than he's helped me. Let me say this here. Let me say this. Curses are real. I know that. We get people delivered from curses. But once you're born again, get your focus off the, I think I'm cursed. You're not cursed. You're blessed. The curse goes to the fourth generation. But the blessing goes to a thousand generations. In the name of Jesus, receive that blessing for you, for your children, and your children's children. Go ahead. Take 15 seconds. Clap your hands and celebrate it ahead of time. You're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed. Continuing with tonight's reading. (laughs) Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. So then you start training your children like that and speaking that into their spirit? Camila's done stuff that's made me cry. We were staying at a hotel in Fort Worth, Texas, way up high overlooking the pool, as soon as we check into the room and put our bags down, you know, something like said, now Camila, pray, thank God. Pray. She goes over, sits Indian style, I don't know if you're still allowed to call it that or not, but I'm from the 80s, it was called Indian, you know, not trying to be disparaging to any group of people, just a, she sat cross-legged, how's that? Before I get picketed by three groups tomorrow night. She sat cross-legged in front of the floor-to-ceiling window, overlooking the pool, and in her little baby voice, four years old, starts going, thank you, Va- thank you. you know, she's missing her two front teeth. Now she's missing her two bottom teeth, too. She looks like Bobby Clark from the 1978 Philadelphia Flyers. And then because she's missing the teeth, she says, fodder. So she talks like she's like from 1920s Brooklyn. Fodder. <laughs> little Tony Soprano over there. Fodder. Fodder, thank you for the pool. Thank you for the nice hotel room. Thank you for Mon Pa. I don't know how the heck I got called Pa. I got a Puerto Rican wife. So I thought maybe I'd be Poppy, which I always thought sounded cool. And then I always said Dad. And somehow she ends up with Pa. I come from Owensboro, Kentucky in the early 1800s. Thank you for Pa and Ma. Thank you for the nice bed. Thank you for dinner tonight. Just starts rattling off all these thank yous. Because thankfulness, as you're going to see here, complaining will kill you. Thankfulness will plunge you forward. Give thanks in all things. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. 
Thank you, Lord, for a car. I don't have a car. Thank him for a skateboard. Thank him for whatever you rolled in here on. Can you say amen? amen? We're in Alaska, so even there's a percentage of you thank him for the car you were able to steal that you're going to give back after the service. Amen. Thank him for what you have. Don't have a complainer mentality of what you don't have. Start thanking God for what. What did Jesus do when he got five loaves of bread and two fish? What did he say? He, ble he, he blessed it and gave thanks. Gave thanks. 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. Who gives thanks? You're supposed to, if they give you that, go, oh, I supposed to do my thanks. He gave thanks. And as he gave thanks, the bread and the fish did what? Multiplied. When you complain, it'll diminish what's already, this is a spiritual principle. When you complain, the little you have will diminish more. But when you learn to give thanks, thankfulness multiplies what's in your hand. So why don't we take 15 seconds, lift both hands to God, and just begin to thank God. If you Listen, if you've lost anything this year, it's only because of God that you didn't lose everything. Go ahead and thank him out of your mouth. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you've kept me alive. Thank you that you've given me a second chance. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you that you've redeemed me. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for your power. Thank you for open doors. Thank you that I'm going higher. Thank you that you're blessing me tonight. Thank you that you're blessing my children tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Two of the men that had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. They're giving it a second shot, trying to encourage people that are hell-bent on being discouraged. The land, we, the land we explored is a wonderful land. <laughs> people, it's like people watching the same movie on two different screens. Seeing two different things. Like you have in America right now. You got half of America that thinks the thing's like, like going down the toilet, freaking out. And then the other set of people that understand, you know, that this is actually the greatest time of economic prosperity since the 80s. Texas had a 6.2% GDP last quarter when they said there would never be a 3% GDP again. You got people freaking out. There's not even anything to freak out about. They need to travel. Go to some places and there's something to freak out about. Can you say amen? amen? That's how you had it here. You'd have thought they saw two different lands. The eyes of faith see it differently. And the eyes of unbelief see it differently. They said to the people, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, He'll bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land. There it is again like Jeremiah. Everybody say, don't fear the people. That's right. Everybody's just people. Jonathan, what do you think about the Illuminati? I go months without thinking of them. Jonathan, I saw that you like to eat Taco Bell. What do you think of the new commercial where it, they have Illuminati signals? If the Illuminati wants to make me a taco, I'll eat it. I'll pray before I eat it, and I'll eat it. 
I'm not sitting around concerned about some invisible group of people. Because even if there are 10 people around the world, there are 10 people and they make mistakes and slip up. Like you saw, now, whether you're for Hillary or whether you're for Trump, one thing that you certainly saw in the last election was people that are in power make a ton of mistakes. Ton of mistakes. Uh, I think they're going to put the clamps down on the church and, and they're going to take away free speech. Try it. Try to, try to limit the church. I got a long book that lets you know how that works out. You can make a plan to put me in the lion's den. The lions will go to sleep next to me. And then they'll throw your sorry behind in the next morning. And before you hit the floor, there won't even be bones left. Say this out loud. If God is for me, who can be against me? Say, my tomorrow's going to be all right. Hallelujah. When John Osteen went to buy the Houston Rockets building, that church that Joel Osteen preached, when his dad purchased it, there was one guy on the Houston City Council that said, over my dead body will we ever sell this building to a church. Because everything's money. So if you sell it to a church, you don't get any tax revenue for the city. That's all people care about. They don't know the Lord. Over my dead body will we ever sell this to the church. Give you one guess who died first. God's up in heaven going, however you want it, boss. It gets quiet at that part, but I'm going to show you it's in the Bible. Don't be afraid of the people. Everybody say, don't be afraid of the people. Can't be afraid of anybody. Can't be afraid of the IRS. Can't be afraid of the FBI. Look at these Senate hearings. You start saying, they're not some powerful group. They're a bunch of schmucks that make a ton of mistakes. They're not CIA, anybody. And I know they're watching. The NSA listens to everything. People are, people are so bound by fear. Jonathan, you know that they, on the new iPhones, they listen in on your phones all the time. If the battery's in, they can listen to it right now, and you can't take the battery out. Yeah, okay. So whoever's listening right now, you need to repent and be baptized, lest you likewise perish. I'm not afraid of anybody. And I don't mean not afraid of them because I'm tough. The Bible commands it. Jesus said, don't fear man that can only kill your body. But fear God who can destroy your body and then destroy your soul in hell. And if you bow to God, you will never have to bow to any other God of this world. So be strong and courageous. Say out loud, I refuse to be afraid. Yeah, Rodney Howard Brown, that pastors in Tampa that ordained me into the ministry, he had an IRS agent come to his church to meet with him, and they said, as much money as you give, it red flagged. You know, you'll have accountants do that. Um, it's not wise to give that much money because it'll red flag. I don't care. Then get your red flags out. Get a pack of them. You know, you're afraid of some accountant with a clipboard? That's how the devil controls is by fear. You, don't, you know, you, you really don't want to make more than 95000 because then you're going to go into another bracket and then that. No, I actually want to make a lot. I want, to, I want that to be my annual giving. Can you say amen? Can you say a better amen? Don't be controlled by fear. Don't be controlled by fear. Well, what if, but then if you do that, this could happen. Then let it happen. 
Daniel, just so you know, if you pray, they're going to throw you in the lion's den. Oh, really? I'm going to go outside and pray then, where everybody can hear me. Uh, Daniel, you know, God expects you to use wisdom too. You know, we pray too in our hearts. You know, God knows our hearts. He doesn't expect you to, to be thrown in the lion's den. Amen. No, actually, that's not in the Bible. God is actually looking for people that will get his faith in their heart and will defy everything that the world has set up to keep you small. And we don't have one person like that tonight. We have an army in this room that have said enough is enough. The world is not going to dictate to me how high I can fly. I'm going to dream big. I'm going to go high in the name of Jesus Christ. If that sounds like you, go ahead and make some noise in Alaska tonight. And I'm going to tell you, the world doesn't know what to do with godly boldness. Dr. Rodney has an IRS agent come and say, um, just, just so you know, the amount that you give personally and give from this church, it red flags, and if you don't cut back on the giving, uh, we'll, we'll have to do like a serious audit. You know what Dr. Rodney said? If you've never met him. I mean, you know, half of it's the Holy Ghost and half of it's being an Afrikaner because they're not weak. He, got, he took a step forward and said, Miss, if, this, if the giving that I've done has drawn a red flag, then you might as well set up a desk in the corner of my office because this year will be the smallest amount that we ever give to the work of the Lord. Yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, actually, I think everything's going to be fine. And... <laughs> Can you say amen? amen. Yeah. Like my accountant, we were going to give from our business, but my accountant, who's your accountant? Tell them to get the numbers straight and put it on the paper. They're, they're not a business advisor. You don't run what God told you to do by unspiritual people. For the things of God cannot be received by, by the carnal man. And then you'll have them, the same one will tell you, man, you, you don't make, your business doesn't make any sense. You know, I've never seen a business do, yeah, because I, I didn't do what you said. If I did what you said, then I'd have what you've seen. But when you do what God had said, you get what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what's never entered into the heart of man. I'm going to tell you, this isn't a normal night. I'm not just at some church. I've never preached this because there's very few places that I've been 11 nights in a row where people keep coming day and night. I'm not speaking to some average group that's checking me out. These are people hungry for God. And I came to bless you. I came to tell you that God is going to use you to take Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. This is going to be the best year that you've ever had, whether the devil likes it or not. Hallelujah. Go ahead. Praise him ahead of time. For the Lord is good. Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, the God of victory, Lion of the tribe of Judah, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's on your side. Somebody shout amen like an Alaskan earthquake. Hallelujah. Don't be afraid of the people, for they're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with them. Hard to get through this chapter. 
Praise God. I feel, I feel like how the incredible Hulk feels when he's like mid-transition. That's quite the laugh. I've never heard a laugh from an endangered species before. Well, whatever. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to all the Israelites at the tabernacle. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? God takes it personally when you don't believe him. Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation greater and mightier than they are. Moses intercedes for the people. And for the sake of time, let me just skip down to verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do, what was their punishment? I will do the very things that you said in my hearing. What did they say? We will all die in the wilderness. Our children will be carried away as captives. Keep talking. Everybody I grew up with that said the ministry's heart is not in the ministry anymore. Your own tongue will do a better job on you than the devil could ever hope to do. Devil's just sitting behind some people just going, keep talking. I, I didn't even have a plan as wicked as your own mouth came up with. I'll never make it. I just have a bad feeling about this year. Who cares how you feel? You don't go by how you feel. You go by how, what the Word of God says. We walk by and not by. Let me tell you something. I like watching fighting. And I like it a lot more than I enjoy being in a fight especially at my size. When Floyd Mayweather announced he was going to fight, who was the Irish kid? Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor was undefeated in the octagon. Floyd Mayweather was like 50-0 boxing. Somebody asked me when I was driving one time, who do you think is going to win the fight? I said, I'll tell you exactly who's going to win the fight. It was back when they were negotiating how they were going to fight. I said, if, he, if Floyd Mayweather agrees to fight in Conor McGregor's octagon, Floyd's going to lose. Because you're not going to fight somebody that's the best, or at least undefeated, in a thing you've never done and beat them. And then if Conor McGregor chooses to fight in, in the boxing ring, he's going to lose. You're not going to beat somebody that's 15-0 when you've never boxed professionally. Whatever ring the fight is held in will determine who wins. And I was right. Conor gave it a good shot for the first few rounds. Floyd let him punch himself out and then beat him badly. And so it is in life. In life, there's two rings. First of all, you're in a fight whether you want to be in one or not. The Bible says you're in one. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. So you're engaged in a conflict. And that's why most Christians get their tail end kicked all the time. They don't, want to, they don't think they're in a fight, or they think you can, like, nice your way out of the fight. An American Christian, if he went to Goliath, would try to take him to Starbucks and get him on his side. But there's some things in life that you're not meant to win over. You're meant to beat. Jesus taught it. Sheep, shepherd, wolf in sheep clothing, wolves. You can't turn a wolf into a sheep. Can you say amen? amen. 
So you got two rings. One ring is your emotions and your mind. The devil is undefeated in that ring. If you agree to fight him in how you feel, I feel tired, you know, and I just don't feel. Sometimes I just feel like it's not going to work out. If you let him take you in how you, in the reasoning realm and the emotional realm, that's how he beat Eve. Did God say not to eat any fruit from this tree? Well, in my opinion, why would he tell you that? You know, that's people. Bible clearly says tithe. Well, guess I hit the hot button word. Then you look it up on YouTube, and there's every knucklehead sitting with a crappy camera. You can already tell they're not blessed by the quality of the footage. I don't believe in the tithe. You look like it. Tithing, tithing's in the law. We're not under the law. Oh, tithing's in the law. Abraham tithed before there was the law. The Bible says tithing's never mentioned in the New Testament. Oh, really? Is Matthew not in the New Testament? Matthew 23, 23. Jesus said you should tithe, yes, which in the original language means you should tithe, yes. That's why they translated it like that. <laughs> then Hebrews chapter 7, Hebrews chapter 7 is a discourse on the tithe with the greatest revelation on the tithe that Abraham did not pay tithe to Levi. If he did, then you could say it was under the law. But 400 years before the law was given, Abraham paid tithe to Melchizedek. And the Bible says Melchizedek is a priest whose order is forever. Not difficult. You know, you get down the same type of thinking that says you don't have to tithe is the same type of thinking that the church should accept homosexuality. Because it plainly says one thing, but then you... Your mind is higher than God. Well, you know, I don't really think. Who cares what you think? Are you a Bible character? No, then shut up. Well, you know, the Bible only, only condemns homosexuality six times in the entire Bible. Yeah, it's five times more than it needed to. It's not a book on homosexuality. Well, Jesus never brought it up. Yeah, he did say that I have not come to do away with one bit of the law, but to fulfill the law. Right? And secondly, it's not, like, it's not like he was in Chelsea in New York City. He was in the Middle East where there's still not a whole lot of gay people roaming the streets. So it wasn't some big thing. You let the devil interpret the scripture, he'll have you screwed up. And I'm going to tell you on the flip side, you look at everybody went to public school, you start talking about homosexuality, they all clam up like we have the secret police in here seeing if anyone grins. Well, I was in the meeting, but I didn't know he was going to say that, officer. People have been shamed. You know, meanwhile, you got 70% of the world that still doesn't allow gay marriage. And, and what was it? 11 years ago, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton were all against gay marriage. Then when the polls change, they do what politicians do and flip everything. I don't care what America approves of. And I'm going to get into more of that in a little bit. Because if you let the fear of how things are going to be accepted by society determine what you speak and say, you will never, it is, that's how they keep you small in America. In China, there's rules about how high you can rise, and then if you go past that, you're arrested and your business is seized. In America, they don't tell you what the rules are, but there's a certain level where if you go higher than that, you just know. For example, without being told, he knows, and many people out there know, that church he built is too big. What do they need a church that big for? 
I don't think a church needs to be that big, personally. <laughs> and basically, people have been kept in an invisible prison in their minds where it's never outwardly said, but there's a, how, how nice a car you can have, how big a house you can have, how big a ministry you can have, how nice a watch you can have in the pulpit as a minister that people are going to have. If you're going to break the barriers and be an example, because you know what faith does? Look how many people are reading about Smith Wigglesworth, an English plumber. And he's, his life is touching people now. You know why? Because he didn't give two poos what English society thought about Christianity. Go into a funeral, grab a corpse underneath the armpits, pull it out of the coffin, and slam it against the wall and say, Live in England. <laughs> like, it's not in the book, but I, it's England. Where if you don't use a knife and fork, People freak. People eat their pizza with a knife and fork. I was just preaching. I was just preaching in Europe, just to entertain myself. <laughs> I never said anything, but everybody ate so proper that they would order a bottle of sparkling water for the table. Then I would order my own bottle of sparkling water, and then as we talked at the table, I would just casually take my bottle and drink it from, <laughs> and then just watch them ruffle. I agree, Pastor. <laughs> now, if you, if you freak out like that over drinking water from the bottle, you pull a, a corpse out of a casket, which is a federal felony, and slam it against a wall, people were, oh, I've never, oh. You know, not just faint, British faint. Somebody hand him a Kleenex. Because when he slammed it against the wall the first time, it didn't live. <laughs> you know, I'm not a funeral expert, but I have a feeling, forget England, that doesn't really go over well in any culture. It wasn't even his funeral. You just come in, hey, the plumber's here. Hey, come back, that's my grandma. And he says, live, and the thing drops. And I'm sure people are like freaking out. Oh, Jeeves, oh. Picks it up off the ground again. Live. Whew. <laughs> Sixth time, live, drops. Seventh time, live. And then left the funeral. And people are reading that to this day and when they have some un devil Bible college professor full of unbelief. They got that book in the library and people are reading it and getting their faith built because of the boldness of a man Amen. who never even started his journey in Christ till he was 48 years old. And he saw, he's in San Francisco. The little trolley from the rice box is going down and a kid's having a seizure on the sidewalk. He's 80. Smith Wigglesworth is 80. He bounds off the train, 
runs over, grabs the kid under the arms and picks him up and says, let go of him, you foul spirit. And the kid snaps out of the seizure. He hands him back to his mother, then runs at 80 and jumps back up on the train, grabs the pole and continues his conversation with the pastor. Faith. I said faith. Bible faith turns the night into the day, moves mountains, causes the dead to come back to life. That's what God's putting in your spirit. Your life is going to be an example to many people that God can use ordinary people to do supernatural things. Lift your hands all over this room. I command you in the name of Jesus to never have a small dream. That from this day forward, whatever life did, whatever your stepfather did, whatever society did that made you think you're just some weak little pusillanimous polywog trying to exist, that something will come alive in you where you realize it's not about me. It's about God and his agenda. And God is for me. God is leveling my enemies. God is strengthening me. God is increasing my capacity. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If that sounds like you, shout a living amen. Put up Numbers 14, 28. Numbers 14, 28. I will do the very things you said in my hearing. So that was their punishment. Everybody say, death is in the power of the tongue. What I'd rather focus on the rest of the time is that life is also in the power of the tongue. Tell the baby I'll be done soon. Numbers 14. Twenty-nine, you all dropped dead in the wilderness because you complained against me. Every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land. I swore to your ancestors to give you the only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jethuna, and Joshua, son of Nun. Uh, put verse 24 up. Numbers 14, 24. But my servant Caleb, different attitude. I hate them. I'm starting to really hate the New Living Translation. Different attitude. Correct. But my servant Caleb has, everybody say, a more excellent spirit. Everybody say, a different spirit. Faith's not an attitude. That's what they've made it in America. You know, we got a bad report. We're just trying to keep our, our spirits. That's not it. Faith is a spirit. We have the same spirit of faith the psalmist had, 2 Corinthians 4. We have the same spirit of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believe God and so I speak. It's a spirit and it's a speaking spirit. But my servant Caleb, everybody say different spirit. That's what you're going to leave with tonight. That it actually drew, the same way it drew God's wrath, the unbelief, you can draw God's favor. And let me just say this before we move on any further. Because all you ever hear is people get beat down in most churches. You know, how many of you know we don't pray like we should and we don't fast? Speak for yourself. If I fast much more, I'm going to heaven. And I pray. And I do study the word. I hate when, I hate when people beat down a congregation. How many of you know the reason America's in trouble is we don't pray like. No, actually, the reason America's not destroyed is because we're here. That's 
The people sitting here are not what's wrong with America. They're what's right with America. Can you say amen? Amen. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. Well, then you're in an awfully odd place. You're at least trending in the right direction. You're one of the least committed sinners I've ever seen. <laughs> Be like me sitting in a meth lab going, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm here because my friend invited me, but I'm not. You know what's wrong? God's going to use you to be light in darkness. Now, for too long, the people have sat in the pew and just listened to the preacher, and then they go out and just live a mundane life because that's what society expects of a Christian. And then if a Christian ever rises up to take what the Bible says is theirs, all hell breaks loose against them. But God put a big dream on the inside of you. And I'm going to give you a couple things about dreams that I've never preached anywhere. But when I say dream, I'm not talking about interpreting your dreams. Brother Jonathan, um, I had a dream. There was a white goose. It landed in a green field. And then, like, the Israeli flag was covering the sun. What do you think it means? Uh, do I look like Joseph? I don't know. I don't even know what my own dreams mean. Go figure it out. <laughs> it's not my gift. But I'm going to talk to you about the dream that God put in your heart that Amen. society or whatever has squashed, but God's going to resurrect again tonight. That you're not here to fill space and take up tree usage and electrical watts and then die. You are here to make an impact on your generation. And today you're going to make a choice whether you're going to be one of the ten spies that says I'm not able or one of the two spies that says if the Lord is with me, I can take the promised land. Because there's not one person in the sound of my voice. And I'm not saying this to be encouraging. I'm saying it because it's the fact. There's not one person in the sound of my voice that doesn't have a large destiny that God has with your name on it. And the devil will do everything in his power to squelch it with unbelief. But then every once in a while, God ships somebody in, like me, to preach a message. And I could tell you something I was in. You know, you're in Bible college, nine out of ten chapel speakers. I know you kids are young and full of zeal and you think you're going to run out there and win everybody to the Lord, but you're going to find when you get out there that there's many challenges and it doesn't work that way. Then you'd have one guy every once in a while that they'd have come in. You could tell when he mounted the pulpit, he wasn't like them. Just look in his eyes. He looked like a young Clint Eastwood in the eyes. And there's some devil's going to get blown away at high noon. And instead of, and they, they would say, I know a lot of you young people are here at Bible college. And God put his call on your life to shake the world. I'm going to tell you something. If you'll stay with God and you'll preach this word and you'll get anointed, stay in prayer and not let your passion die, you will do great things for God. You'll actually do beyond what you start preaching like that. And man, I'd be tired. I'd be ready to get to go to sleep in chapel because I just got used to it. You know, if somebody's going to discourage me, I'm going to sleep. I'm going to sit up and be discouraged. Many of you feel a call into ministry. Well, let me just tell you, it's not going to be easy. Two out of three of you, according to statistics, believe the ministry. Many of you will be selling cars at the Toyota dealers. Yeah, okay, I'm going to sleep. Because I was already tired, and now I feel my life force. If I was a video game character, now it's blinking red. One time I went to sleep in chapel, and I would sleep with my head. They had, like, padded seats like this, so I'd rest my head here and kind of try to look like I was praying. And then I guess the person that was videotaping the chapel service saw that I was sleeping, so they called me into the office right away after chapel, so I go in. 
And I start denying it. You know, I wasn't sleeping. We know you were sleeping. I said, no, I wasn't sleeping. No, we know you were. And I'm trying to deny it, and I'm not making any headway. I go back and look in my mirror in my room. I had the pattern of the seat in front of me, like the mark of the beast, like burgundy. I'm telling you, I wasn't sleeping. We know you were sleeping. Well, I want to be the one out of ten chapel speaker. To tell you whatever you felt in your spirit you can do, God will actually take you higher than that. Now, there's people in here that life has been nothing but miserable. I tell you, that ends today. Today is going to begin a new chapter in your life where you and the devil might have wrote the first chapter, but you and Jesus are going to write chapter two. And chapter two will outdo chapter one. And then I'm going to tell you there's another group of people of which I'm in, Pastor Daniel's in, many others. You've done well. You've done what God's asked you to do. But now God's going to jump it to another level and have you come up higher. God is not through blessing you. So whether, you, whether you've not got off the ground yet or whether you've started your race, we are all going to link hands tonight and run into our destiny. The devil is going to have the worst six months in Alaska that he's ever had, and the people of God are going to take ground out from the Canaanites and take it for their possession in Jesus' mighty name. So go ahead and celebrate ahead of time. Clap your hands one more time and give that God the greatest shout of victory. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Seven things that you need to understand to accomplish your dream. Number one, your capacity is great. You're not stupid. You don't have a shoddy mind. You have the mind of Christ. Well, you know, I don't test well. Quit saying that. Amen. Start thanking God that he gave you his mind. Amen. Access to his intelligence. Can you say amen? amen. Genesis 1.28. Turn there. You can put it up on the screen. I feel like a game show. Let's put it up on the screen. Genesis 1.28. Genesis, the first chapter. 28th verse. Then God blessed them. Talking about mankind. We're not like animals. I'm sorry if your science teacher taught you that. She was wrong. I'm right. Man was created in the image of God. You want to know how you know? Dolphins have not invented one thing. They were naked and swimming however many years ago when they started, and they're naked and swimming now. Never even developed a jet ski, an etch-a-sketch, nothing. Well, man is very similar to a monkey. No, speak for yourself. Monkeys haven't developed anything. They're still naked, eating bananas, whatever. But man was created in the image of God. And God blessed them, mankind. Say, God bless me. And he said, he commanded them, be fruitful and multiply. Well, those guys that preach prosperity, God commanded it. He commanded you to be fruitful and to multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea. So don't let anybody make you feel bad for catching fish in Alaska. God commanded it. Well, yeah, but we have to be careful. We're running out of fish. They've been saying that for hundreds of years. The difference between pagan religions and Christianity is pagan religions, which is what America started to buy into, teaches that man is here to care for the earth. The Bible teaches that the earth was created to care for man. And immediately you can tell what percentage of the crowd went to public school. Be fruitful and multiply. 
fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the... Uh, the uh, 29? The ground. We'll go with ground. Things not cooperating. So God made man in his image. You know what that means? Number one, you look like him. God's not a wind. He made us look like him. It's one of the reasons the devil hates mankind, wants to disfigure people with cancer and all kinds of diseases. You know, why do you think teenagers cut themselves under demonic power? The the devil hates looking at human beings because we look like Christ. We're created in God's image. We didn't evolve from lower species. We were, he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground and breathed Hebrew, the life of God into him, and he became a man. He made us in his image. Say, I'm created in the image of God. That's how you know that any God that has more than two arms, you're looking at the wrong one straight away. That's a fact. He looks like us. We look like him. He's our father. We're his children. And he told them, he blessed them. Say, he blessed me. Now, there's a lot of Christians that think they're cursed. And you, you, you'll, you'll manifest what you believe. I'm under, you know, I'm cursed. You quit being cursed. Break it. You can't curse what God has blessed. But if you let somebody convince you you're cursed, then, then it's your fault for buying into it. The Bible says you're blessed. Then sin came and ruined the blessing. Jesus came, broke the curse, and then released the blessing of Abraham back on all those who believe. And there are demonic powers, and I understand that, but 90% of the people that say they're under a curse, they're actually just using what their family members did to justify their problems. I don't know what ran in the Shuttlesworth family before my grandfather got saved, and I don't give, I don't care. I'm sure they used bad language. I'm sure they fought. They didn't go to church. They didn't do a lot of things, but that died when my grandfather got saved. And my grandfather started a new chapter in the Shuttlesworth family where now we have faith. Now we use our mouth to proclaim the word of God. Now we're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So even if every wicked thing ran in your family, it dies with you and your last name begins a new chapter now. You know, because you, you even will go to church and they'll, they'll devalue people. He died for such a worm as I. I wasn't a worm even before I was saved. I'm Sinners are created in the image of God. They have value. People have value. Like God's angry that he even has to be with us because you're such scum. He loves you. You're created in his image. When he made them, he said, it is good. Can you say amen? Yeah. Try telling your children the opposite of what you got told growing up. Hey, Camila, you're smart. You're the smartest kid in your class. You're going to end up smarter than your teacher. You're strong. You're fast. You're agile. You're healthy. Can you say amen? Yeah, yeah. David, you know, it's one thing to have confidence in God, which you should have, but you also need to have confidence in you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me was not written by the devil. It was written by the Holy Ghost. Paul wasn't devaluing himself. Well, I don't know whether I can do it or not. I'm just praying the Lord get that. That isn't what he said. 
I can do. If I have a test in class at school and my marijuana smoking friend that gets blitzed every weekend can pass it, then I can pass it. Don't tell me that a heathen can do it and I can't. I used to think that. You know, whoever this helps tonight, I'm going to preach myself into, into another level. Because I, I feel faith stirring in my heart. I don't know what the Lord's getting ready to set out for me to do these next six months, but I feel a new strength coming on my body. And it's also coming on my friend's body. And we're going to run together till we're old men. You speak against your own self, you'll never know. I'm not very smart. Keep saying that. What happens? Start saying, Father, thank you that you've anointed my mind. Thank you that you've anointed my body. Thank you that you've blessed every aspect of my cardiovascular system and everything else. You know, there's a steakhouse called Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Do they have it here or no? Yeah, you guys have better stuff. You have like, like grain fed caribou and stuff bunch of snobs. <laughs> Back in the lower 48, we just have to make do with what we have. So they have this place called Roos Chris Steakhouse. They serve the steak on a 500 degree plate and it's in butter and it is like awesome. Feel like getting anointed just talking about the steak. <laughs> I used to walk by, they used to advertise on TV and they'd show the steak sizzling on the thing, and it looked good, and I like steak. I used to play ice hockey, and I would get real hungry after practice. My mom would make me two 20-ounce steaks, and then they would talk about how their steak's the best. So they had one in Pittsburgh, and I would ask. I'd look, can we go? Oh, no, it's expensive. You know, everything's a la carte. Because they, they train preachers to be like that, and especially Christians. It's like, if you're a Christian, oh, I've been with ministers that said no Christian can shop there. The, the prices are high. I'm talking like pastors. You know you're a Christian. You can't, I'm just a pastor. I'm praying one of my sons becomes a doctor so that he can take care of me when I'm retired. You know, they've already bought in like the Lord. Do you think the devil is better to his children than God is to his children? Your, your no is not convincing. Do you think the devil is better to his children in the world than God is to his children? No. You're correct. And one day when I was old enough and had my own money in my early 20s, I walked by Ruth's Chris. I'd been talked out of ever going in there. And I just decided to look in the window like Tiny Tim in London at Christmas time. <laughs> like, like a beggar. And then some manager come out, shoo, shoo. I'm telling you, unbelief will turn you into a beggar on this earth and faith will turn you into a king on this earth. Amen. But when I looked through the window, I saw this businessman sitting with two women and I'm a preacher and I, 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 have, I can discern, you know. Just like a guy from a biker gang can tell that that guy's not an actual biker. He's an undercover cop. He has all the tattoos and everything. It doesn't feel right. I can tell. I'm looking at this guy. I can tell he's not a born-again Christian. Because I, I was trying to think of a way that as a Christian you could have two, a woman on each arm. But it didn't make sense. You know, I thought maybe it could be his daughters. But no, no, no. It didn't seem like it. 
And then he's drinking wine. And they had a cigar room back then, back when America was free and you could smoke indoors and stuff without people freaking out. And I'm not pro-smoking, I'm just saying, you know, we'll move along. So he's smoking a cigar. And I remember thinking right then when I saw that, if he can eat that as a sinner, why can't I eat it when God loves me? That don't make any sense to me. And that was when I made up my mind, when I get me some money, I'm, I'm, I'm eating at Roos Chris. So I'm in Maui, and they have a Roos Chris in Maui. I had my uh, wife with me, and it was during the recession. And I walk in, and then finally I get, I get the guts to ask. Because nobody knew. You know, all the Christians were saying you can't eat there, but no one had ever eaten there. You know, why can't we eat there? It's expensive. How expensive? We don't know. We just heard other people say it's expensive. <laughs> well, you know, if you go there, everything's a la carte. What does a la carte mean? I don't speak Latin. I think it's like a Latin word that means expensive or something. So finally, I said to Dust, I said, hey, we have some money. When I say some money, I mean like very little money, but enough that I couldn't see that it's going to cost more than, I have like $400 to my name, and if this is what bankrupts me for life, then so be it. I said, let's go to Ruth's Chris. Oh, I, that's expensive. I know everybody's been telling me that for 20 years. Let's go. Let's see how expensive. Let's at least have enough faith to put our feet on the property. And I said, uh, I said, are you guys, do you, we don't have any reservations, but do you have any openings? Yeah. Actually, we're running a special during the recession. One appetizer for you to split as a couple, two entrees, uh, and then a dessert to split for $80, 40 bucks a person. Well, that's not the cheapest meal you're ever going to eat, but that's not. That's, you know, I had a feeling sometime between the time I was 28 and 78, the Lord would make the money back up to me over the course of those 50 years. And we went in and sat down and ate. And that started me on something where you realize if you would just let, not let people talk you out of where you can go and what you can do, and you have enough faith to go for the best, you'll find that God doesn't have a problem with you going for the best. You know, so now let's take, I don't know anything about purses, but let's like take like a Louis Vuitton purse, $3,000. And people, I, I'd never spend that on a purse. Yeah, but you got 10 $300 knockoffs. So you could have just bought one. So people have a problem with a certain level. When the Bible says, it's not like you make it your ambition in life, but delight yourself in the Lord, and it doesn't say, and he'll meet your needs. It says, and he will give you. God didn't have a problem with me having a stake. Religion had a problem with me having a stake, and poverty had a problem with me having a stake. But I curse religion and poverty from its root out of every spirit here. You will eat the good of the land in Jesus' mighty name. Now, everybody say, I have a great capacity. Number two, understand that you can have the best. And I'm already on this. Turn to Isaiah 119. You can put it up on the screen. Isaiah 119, and then get those other videos ready that I told you I was going to play. Isaiah 119. I know it's 905, but look at it outside. Pretend it's 505. What difference does it make? It's summertime, and the living's easy. Amen. Amen. Psalm 119. This is what God said. Or, or, sorry, Isaiah 119. Read the first line together. Oh, come on with this translation. Just do a King James Version from now on. If you will only obey me, 
I'll wait for it. It's worth waiting for. If you are willing, amen. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm close to getting rid of this. If you are willing, people are obedient. I guess that's what the Lord's been having me cover for 15 minutes. People are obedient, but they're not willing. They obey God. But, well, we can't do that. You know, you got to be careful if you drive that kind of car. <laughs> if, you ever pull, if you ever pull onto a church parking lot with a new car, you'd think you were in communist Russia and everybody's grilling you about, where'd you get the car? Then people feel like, especially if you're in the ministry, people, uh, past, poor pastors, they feel like they have to go like into defense mode. Where'd you, uh, see so you got a new car, pastor. Where'd you get it from? Oh, uh, my, um, my son, uh, you know, he got a good job on the lower 48 and he got some income tax money back and he sent me some money for my birthday and blessed me. We were able to get a down payment and then we were able to get it. You don't know anybody in explanation. I made my friend in, in, that pastors in Indiana laugh. I said, the next person that asks you where you got your new car, tell them at the car store. Same place everybody else got one. You don't know anybody an explanation for why you have a coat of many colors. Your father bought it for you and decked you out because he loves you. And he's decking you out ahead of time for the great place that you're going. If you receive that, clap those hands one more time and rejoice. Hey, say it so God can hear you. Say, I'm willing and obedient. Now let's flip around. Say, I, I obey you, Lord. I obey you, Lord. And, I'm and I'm willing to taste the grapes, taste the grapes that are in the promised land. Because they'll still line up today to tell you that you can't have those grapes, but I'm telling you, they're delicious. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, the scripture that's in every religious person's mind right now. Yeah, but the Bible says. Love and money is the right all evil, and those desiring nice things have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I know it does. But it actually doesn't end there. First Timothy six. People think when you start preaching like this, they think you think you, you haven't read the Bible. I, I preached it like this about blessing and stuff. I had a lady like wait after for me. General, like I know what scripture you have. You think I haven't read it? And I'll tell you what she read. She said, um. I heard what you preached tonight. I wanted to just tell you a scripture. I said, go ahead and read it. So she read it. I'll read it to you. Verse 11. Or no, start up higher. Verse 6. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Yeah. We're not discontent. It's not like I have this driving thing in me that I have a 2015 Cadillac and I'm ticked off. I don't have a 2009. It's not that you're not content because of you. It's because it takes an overflow of resources to affect more than your family. You can't follow Jesus' command to clothe the naked if you can't clothe your own children. God's commands, say this with me, say God's commands require overflow. So, we're, I'm content. I couldn't be any more content. Could not. I buy new suits because I wear out the... And I barely ever get a chance to buy a new suit. Uh, people buy them for me and ship them all the time. This, I, I bought my first suit in like three years. Somebody sent up four from Miami. And I, you know, I don't work in an office. I wish I'd, it'd be nice. I sweat them out. You're not supposed to go like this in a suit. It's not an Under Armour performance shirt. It's a suit. You're supposed to sit at a desk and go like this. So you wear them out. Go out on the mission. I'll tell you how good God is. 
I was preaching in St. Lucia outside. And as I'm preaching, it begins to rain. And I mean Caribbean rain. Well, you get rain like that here. Raindrops here, you can't tell whether it's hail or not. Makes like a weird sound. Maybe you're used to it. It freaked me out. Anyway. So I start preaching. I'm right at the point to get, get, <laughs> give the altar call. And the skies open up. Everybody starts running to take cover. And I had a wireless mic. I jumped off the stage and ran after them. And they told me after when we got the people to come to the altar. You know, when you're running away from a preacher and he's running after you, I'm telling you, he loves you. I'm telling you. No, people stopped running and were just like, all right, this guy is serious. I think this guy's taking me to heaven whether I want to. I'll, he's going to take you in like a jujitsu hold. And the pastor said, when it rained like that, he said, I know when the people saw your passion for them that you didn't care, but I'm in a suit, really nice shoes that I bought thinking they'd last me like seven years from Spain, buy them once. Well, I'd get done preaching. <laughs> My shoes had puddles in them, like slosh, slosh, slosh. <laughs> so I get the genius idea that the next day when it's sunny out, I'll leave my shoes outside, and then that will dry them. Yeah, it dried them, and they would fit somebody like Gargamel. Like, it was like, shaped like that. Those things were over. So, so Kofi was with me on the trip, and I made this statement. Everybody say, my mouth. My mouth. Back in the that stinks that I lost those shoes now. But I guess, you know what I said? This just rose up in me. I said, hey, Kofi, do you think that God will allow me to destroy my shoes going after souls and not give me new shoes? If you play for um, the, the Chicago Bears and it rains, first of all, that's why I didn't run and take cover like the rest of the preachers. If it starts raining in the middle of the football game, do you trot off to the... Well, this is my job. And it's raining. I'm going after those souls. And then what would happen if you ruined your shoes in the mud playing for the Chicago Bears? You have to go buy a new pair? No. They outfit you. The team, your employer, is responsible for your equipment. And just, I, so I told Kofi, I said, you think the Chicago Bears would take better care of a linebacker than God will take care of one of his servants? I said, you watch. God will give me a new pair of shoes. I go to Texas after St. Lucia in Houston the first Sunday. I didn't mention shoes. Because that's a sure way to never get blessed. Now, I was just in St. Lucia, and I ruined a pair of shoes for the gospel, but it's fine. That's why many of you have noticed I'm barefoot and my feet are cut open. No. I'm preaching in a different pair of shoes. And as I'm preaching, this guy comes up to the altar and lays $500 down with a note. And after the service, I picked the $500 up in the note, and the note said, this might sound strange, but I already put money in the offering. But then the Lord spoke to me to give you $500 for some type of personal clothing item. And I'm not dressed poor. It's not like I came in like a burlap sack. And they're like, hey, you know, get yourself some proper clothes. The Lord replaced them as soon as I got back. Those shoes cost $400. I went to the mall, bought another pair, and there they came. Everybody say obedient, obedient. and willing. Yeah. Now, if you're going to be great, you're going to put up with criticism. Especially now. Facebook and everything else. There's people that patrol Facebook looking for people to criticize. And that's another reason why people aren't willing. There's a lot of pastors that God sent to this valley and spoke to build a big church, and they could have done it. But when persecution rose up, 
they went back down to an acceptable level church. But it's time for there to be a new group of people that don't stay where it's accepted. They break every barrier and go and take the land that the devil tells them that they can't have. Somebody shout hallelujah. Yet godliness with contentment is in itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich, and that's what people screw up about the prosperity message. They think if you preach prosperity, you're teaching people to, be, to long to be rich, when actually you're teaching them to put God first and expect him to take care of the blessing. And if you don't understand prosperity, God will be a part of your life, but you'll always think, if I'm going to have a house and provide for my children, I have to work and make it happen myself. And that's why you have the American church walk up to their pastor left and right and say, Pastor, I'm not going to be able to work three Sundays a month because of my job. Because they have divorced. God will take care of the spiritual stuff, but then I have to make it happen in the flesh. But prosperity lets you know that if you put God first and the advancement of his kingdom, all the other things that you could die trying to get, I will add them unto you. So it's not longing to be rich. And the proof that you don't long to be rich is if you long to be rich, you're not going to give money away left and right. So the tithe and the offering is proof to God that money is only in your hand, not in your heart. Say this out loud. Money in the hand, money in the hand is, a is a weapon. Money in the heart, in the heart is poison. People who long to be rich fall into temptations and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And she stopped reading right there and put her eyebrows up like a cartoon character. So what do you have to say about that? I said, I'll tell you what I have to say about that. Is that the end of the chapter? Uh, uh, no. I said, then keep reading. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. All the men say, I'm a man of God. Amen. All the women say, I'm a woman of God. Amen. Everyone that's not sure will cast the devil out of you at the end of the service. <laughs> but you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness, a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who will judge the living and the dead, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey all this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And then he quotes John 18, 33 through 37. Verse 17, teach those who are rich. So what's the teaching for those who are rich? Number one, so I would I'd be done. I'd shut up shop and go home and say, I'm sorry I lied to everybody. My doctrine's off. If it said, teach those that are rich that they've made a grievous error, they should have given all their money away and burned it and been poor. But it doesn't say that. It gives instruction for those who are rich that are in the church. Teach those who are, in the ri who are rich in this world not to be proud or to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. So you don't allow the money to get you a big head. You can't listen to anybody, and you know more than the pastor, and you make little condescending comments, which, first of all, if you're going to make condescending comments to a pastor, I would pick a smaller pastor to do it to than the one you have. Because if he backslides for 10 seconds, you're going to wake up in ICU wearing a catheter as a charm bracelet. <laughs> Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. People up here like, like 
rough humor. <laughs> I like those jokes about him knocking me out. <laughs> Which is so unreliable, their trust should be in God. Their trust should be in God. Who gives us Who gives us what? No, what's the word before all things? Gives us all things, richly all things to enjoy. If you, you will find out when it comes to material blessing from God, it's not even about trying to get it. If you'll just remove all the barriers that religion or your family or the media put on you and get it out of the way, it's like that's been blocking it. And as soon as you get it out of the way, what's been held up just dumps into your lap. Now, we've already been getting testimonies. How many of you have a testimony? And I mean a real one, not a fake. Like something major happened financially in these last 10 days. Put your hand up. And it's only been 10 days. You look around. And then we started getting them into our office as well. Like, people, like con major contracts. You know, they were struggling to get one contract for the last few months. They got three this week. That kind of stuff. As soon as you become obedient to the word and willing, willing to put up, with your brothers getting angry that you wear a coat of many colors. Willing. I already am ready for CNN to do an expose on me. Jonathan came to Alaska promising blessings. <laughs> but did anyone actually receive any blessings? We talked to, they'll find one person. We talked to Martha McCollum. I went a couple nights. And they, they took over 20 minutes on the offering. And I gave, I gave. I only had $4 and I gave it. I haven't seen any kind of blessing. It's been over nine days. <sighs> That's what they do. They find the meanest picture of the preacher they can find. And then you find one disgruntled person and interview about how they got prayed for and didn't get healed, which Jesus prayed for people that didn't get healed. Mark chapter 6, and Jesus could do no mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. So there it is again. I gave $500 to Joyce Meyer. Okay, send her, a, and now I can't even afford a car. Okay, send her $500 back and see if she can buy a car. Doesn't even make sense. That's what they wrote in the Washington Post. A lady complaining that she gave $500 to Joyce Meyer, and now she doesn't have enough money for a car. You didn't have enough money for a car anyway. What do you think it is, 1948? You're going to buy a Ford for 400 bucks? Keep smoking. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah. Everybody say obedient. obedient. So say this because I know you pretty well now. Say I was obedient. I was obedient. But now I'm also willing. And I, also willing. And I will eat the good of the land. Now lift both hands to the Lord and begin to thank him right now. Begin to thank him. Begin to thank him for he's good. He's going to be good to your family. He's going to be good to your children. He's going to be good to your children's children. You're not going to die small. None of you will die small. None of you will die small. You're going to have an overflow and leave an inheritance to your children and your children's children, just like your father Abraham, your father Isaac, and your father Jacob. The God that was good to them will be unusually good to you. You will walk in uncommon blessing, uncommon favor, uncommon overflow. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Now, 
I'm, I'm going I'm to stop on this second one, that you got to be willing and obedient. You have to be willing to have the blessing. And I, well, whether I'm ever blessed or not, I don't care. Then I promise you, you won't get it. You have to have faith to pursue what God said is yours. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen? And then as I said, if you'll just have faith to go in where they say you can't go. I'll tell you the story. I won't say what state I was walking, because I like, actually like the people, but people don't. It's like they can have faith for healing and none for money. Faith for victory over sin and drug addiction, but then money. You have to develop it in every area. And so I'm walking with these great men and women of God. We're at a mall. They point at this store. I've never been to that city before. Oh, that store has nice clothes. Um, no Christian could ever shop in there. And when they said it, it's so, I was just starting to come into this stuff in the Bible. And it so graded my spirit that I wanted not to defy them, to defy that religious spirit. I said, Adalus, right when they said, no Christian can shop in there, I said, Adalus, let's go in. I want you to lift your right hand to the Lord right now and say, tonight, I receive faith to put my feet where the devil says I can't go. Now lift your other hand up next to it and begin to thank God that there's not going to be any limitation on your life. There's not going to be any limitation on your life. There won't be any limitation on your life. You can go where God said you can go. You can do what God said you can do. You can have what God said you can have. Hallelujah. Man, tonight is a night of breakthrough. So, so check this out. Check this out. And if this doesn't mean anything to you, that's fine. You know, people have different interests. Some people, I don't care about clothes and suits. Yeah, you like a jet ski. I don't like jet ski. You like art. I don't like anything. Well, that's a sign you're suicidal. That's a fact. If you don't like anything that's in this world, that's not a sign of holiness. God created things that are in this life. He gave us, who do you think God designed this earth for? For the devil's people to enjoy or for his children to enjoy? It doesn't take the place of God in your heart. I can go to a baseball game with my daughter and it doesn't become my God. But I can enjoy sitting at that park in Pittsburgh overlooking the river having a chat with my daughter. Can you say amen? I like to hunt. God likes you to hunt. Read in the Bible how many of the men of God were hunters. I don't have any problem with it. David, was, David used his fish. Come back here with my sheep. brothers they're like that kid is crazy that's why even when Samuel came they said David just go wait you know maybe just play one of your songs way out in the field we have company coming over <laughs> hallelujah and that's why I think God likes Alaskans because you, you, you have that kind of like screw loose in a good way you know if you if you were in New York City and there's a grizzly bear, people would freak out. In Alaska, you're walking across the parking lot, there's a grizzly bear. Hey, stay there. Don't make me. These bullets are getting more expensive. I can't be wasting them. Can you, amen. Can you say amen? So anyway, so I said, Dallas, let's go in the shop. So we go in there. I kid you not, we were so broke back then. I probably had like $180 to my name. And no credit cards. Not because I didn't believe in having credit cards. Credit cards didn't believe in me having credit cards. <laughs> I mean, any, <laughs> any, anybody can qualify for a credit card in this country, and I couldn't. 
My credit score was like 12. <laughs> so we go in. When we walk in, a dollar starts talking to me. Why are you taking me in here? We have $180. You know, we're preaching like a youth meeting. They're going to give us like 1000 bucks, And then we've got to pay, our, you know, $800 of rent plus then the 200 Pick which one of the three other bills we can pay and then get the other thing shut off. So we go walk in the store. So, you know, if you're in that situation, it's not time to go into a luxury store. But, but I wasn't doing it for that. I was doing it. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be an old Pentecostal preacher with beat up suits and beat up shoes and a long face telling people about a great God. I'm going to tell them about a great God and look like if you serve him, he takes good care of you. My God is a good God. Too good. Too good. So we walk in this store, and I take my little wife, been married like two years, over to the shoe section, because ladies like shoes, you know. I don't, I don't think prosperity is important. You'd be amazed how much better your marriage goes when you bless your wife. I refuse to be one of those old religious preachers that won't let their wife order an appetizer, and they're like in their 60s. Gonna, I think I might get some mozzarella sticks first. Honey, what did we talk about? <laughs> I want to let me tell you something before I finish that story. I was preaching for a pastor, and I won't say what state, but it rhymes with Florida. Anyway, <laughs> I'm preaching for this guy in this state that I won't mention. And I could just tell, you know how you can tell when somebody's cheap? Like, you, I can tell quick. So I could tell this guy wasn't cheap. He was like super cheap. It was like a, a special power that he had unlocked <laughs> as a video game character, like super cheapness. So... For my own entertainment, when the waitress took the menu, I put my credit card on the outside of the menu and handed it to her, and she, she saw it, but he didn't see it. So she goes, uh, would you guys like any appetizers? And he goes, no, I don't think we need any appetizers. I said, no, you know what, I've never eaten here. I want to try some. She said, what appetizer would you like? I said, just bring like a sample of all of them. And his eyebrows went up because he thinks he's paying, you know. So then people say, like, well, you're wasting money. Well, I wasn't spending it on food. I was spending it on personal entertainment. <laughs> That's why I don't need a sabbatical. I just find little ways. <laughs> just like I preached for a pastor one time. He didn't tell me this, but you could tell he had OCD. He'd always So as we would talk, I would just casually like, knock over the salt shaker. He'd put it back up. I'll just take the knife and put it caddy-cornered on the thing. Personal entertainment. They say one of the secrets of life is learning to laugh at yourself, but I can tell you it's much more fun to laugh at others. <laughs> Hallelujah. So anyway, just, just bring me like a sample of all the appetizers. He said, I'm not really that hungry. I said, that's all right. If we don't finish it, it's no big deal. And so they bring the appetizers. Then I ordered like a steak and... 
you know, then he's like freaking out. You, his like face is changing colors. I've never actually seen a person's blood pressure go up. He has like a vein developing in his forehead like an X-Man. His pulse is moving his head. So then, then she comes. <laughs> then she comes at the end and she goes, anybody interested in dessert? He like, no, 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 I, I don't think I, I said, yeah, no way. I said, this place looks like it has good dessert. You look like you have the good dessert. Oh yeah, we do. He's like, he's like freaking out. And I go, uh, I go, well, just like with the appetizers, just bring like a small sample of all of them. So at this point, he's like visibly angry. I will never have this person back into preaching. And then when she comes with the bill at the end, I've already given the, the card. She lays it in front of me. It's already run. And he goes, he goes no, no. She said, no, he already gave me the card. He already ran it. And I, I signed my name. And he, he literally didn't even have enough shame to not go, oh. And that kept me happy for like eight months. <laughs> Amen. It was a hundred bucks well spent just to have a good time. So, so, so again, so, so I walk, I walk Adonis in, and she's arguing with me the whole way. Jonathan, I have to pay bills. We can't get anything from here. I said, well, let's, let's just see what they have. If we can't afford it, then we can't afford it, but let's at least look. I'm going to say at least look. So she's arguing with me, and I wish you could have seen it because she's arguing with me. Then she looks at the shoes, and they had the pair of Jimmy Choo black boots with, like, uh, metal stuff around them. And my wife's Puerto Rican, so she likes feminine stuff that also looks like it can be used in a fight. Like you could take, it, you could take the boot off and beat someone. It's like shoes and self-defense. So she's talking, we can't afford, as soon as she looked at those boots, it was like, Rick. and I saw her go like this, and the saleswoman must have picked up on it, and she comes over and she goes, do you like those boots? And Adonis went, I do. <laughs> like, you know, like, I'm trying not to, but I really like them. And she said, uh, she picked up the price, $1,200. Well, you know, when you have $300 and you don't have any credit cards and something costs $1,200, makes the decision on whether to buy it or not really easy. <laughs> so my wife goes, oh. And the saleswoman goes, I don't know why, but we only have one pair of those left. And they marked them down 90% off to $120. So they, then you get a glimmer. You know, my wife gets like this glimmer of hope. And she goes, what size? He goes, six and a half. I think they could have said like one and a half, and she would have made herself a one and a half. You know, have like a lady from Osaka wrap her feet for six months. So, but my wife actually is a six and a half. And she goes, I am a six and a half. 
And then my wife starts trying to like talk herself, like, we really need the money. I said, Adonis, do you think we're going to be 70 years old one day sitting on a porch going, wish we wouldn't have spent that $120 on those shoes. I said, if, if 120 is going to cripple us, let's get ourselves crippled. But I don't think, I said, I don't think that there's one pair of shoes marked down here 90% off in your size. And the bottom line is, whatever the future holds, first of all, Jesus said not to worry about tomorrow. And you need shoes, don't you? I do. She's wearing scuffed up shoes, had a black purse with scuff on it. I said, let's get it. So we walk out of that store. And that pastor and his wife were waiting for us. You bought something? Yeah. What'd you get? And she takes, oh, those are beautiful. How much did they cost? My wife went, well, they were marked. I said, $1,200. That's what they cost. And the Lord gave them to me for my bride for 120 bucks. And can I tell you something? Now, I don't give a care about women's shoes. But I do give a lot of care about my bride. Because if she's not happy, nobody's happy. But if she's happy, life is sweet. Sweet. And I like taking care of my wife. And you want to know something? If me being a human stained by sin likes to bless my bride, how much more, who are we the bride of? Do you think Christ is going to have his bride have the cheapest junk? Or do you think that if I, with no credit and 300 bucks, found a way to deck my wife out, that God, who owns all the silver and all the gold, sent his servants, sent his servants with camels, loaded down with supplies to bring a bride back for his son? God didn't only save your soul. God is going to give you the best of this earth for you and your children to enjoy. So clap your hands and rejoice because it's already done. Go ahead. Take 30 good seconds. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Willing and obedient. Obedient and willing. Be both. Be willing to taste the grapes. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Everybody say willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. I'll, close, I'll close with this. Because I'll tell you how the Lord broke me out. Broke me out. So I know what it's like to have a negative bank account. I used to do uh, business at a place called, I don't know if you can get sued for saying stuff like this. But you'll never know unless you try. But <laughs> Hallelujah. Bangor Savings Bank. And back then up in Maine, you know, the technology wasn't that great. The teller would write your balance on a piece of paper. So slides it across to me. She wrote that I had like 200 and some bucks in the bank. So me and my wife drive to Vermont to go preach. But she wrote it wrong. I was already overdrawn. It was like minus 130. And then, you know, you can't prove. You know, how do they know you didn't write it? It's not like it, it was just like a pen on a ripped piece of paper. So he couldn't come back and say, well, they wrote, you know, it's actually a pretty ingenious thing they had going, come to think about it. So I had no way to prove. They wouldn't believe me. Because, you know, you're going to find out. Once God starts to bless you, you get treated differently. 
If you're going to pull a million dollars out of an account, they'll, they'll hook you up. If you're going to pull minus 137 out of an account, it's like, knock yourself out. They don't care. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I'm already overdrawn. So I stop and get a Red Bull for the drive and then one for my wife, which was $3.50 a piece, plus $37 for overdraft, plus $37 overdraft for her. Most expensive beverage. We might as well have been drinking wine from the you know, mountains of Spain. Probably been gas station energy drinks for the same price. So then I stop at Taco Bell, have a $140 dinner at Taco Bell. Should have flown in a chef from Mexico. <laughs> so, so we get a call the next day. You know, hey, just you know, you're maxed out. You know, you're overdrawn up $500. What? You told me. And then they explain it to me. So then I got to go preach for a week. Feeling like I'm supposed to bless people? <laughs> I don't, I'm the least blessed. I'm driving a car that's smashed in in the back. And I haven't been able to get it fixed for three years. And I haven't been able to get it registered because I needed to get it fixed to get it registered. So I would drive even to this church. Brother Jonathan, we saved you a spot at the front. I'm sure you did. But I'm going to park like in a field. So my car is a disgrace to the blood of Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you. So I get up. And preach. I know what it's like. And this is when God broke me out. Lift your hands all over this room. I tell you the faith you've received tonight and all this week. God's not going to break you out tonight. I tell you, you're already out. The shout of victory will never leave your family from now till when Jesus comes. Can I tell you one more thing? You will never be broke another day in your life. Your children will never beg for food. Your children will never beg for money. You will be a blessing to your generation by the blessing of Abraham that now operates in your life. So rejoice and be glad for the Lord has already given you the victory. If you receive it, let your amen be the loudest. So... Here's how it all turned around. We've been get, we were given, doing all the things we teach, we teach people to do so they can have it too. And I'm giving and giving more than I, you know, you get back in your mind and think, man, that's a lot to give. Maybe I'm taking this thing too seriously. I'm not seeing anything yet. And then this lady that was from uh, Cameroon, French Africa, that went to the church I went to. I wasn't on staff at the church. I just attended the church like I do now when I'm home in Pittsburgh. And this lady comes up to me and goes, from Cameroon, I just started a business. I would like you to come by and bless my business. Well, my uncle was the pastor, and, you know, her family kind of looked the same, so I thought maybe she just thought I was him. I said, you know, I'm not the pastor. I said, uh, you want me to get him? She said, no. I felt to have you come and bless it. I want you to come bless my business. I felt like I need somebody to come bless my business. <laughs> so so I, I, I put it off and put it off. I'd never blessed a business. I didn't even know what you were supposed to do. So I drive there the night before we're going to leave for West Virginia to go preach. It was just me and Adonis. Camila hadn't been born yet. And... Uh, I told Adalas, I said, I'm going to go bless this lady's business and come back and we'll pack and then we'll leave in the morning. So I drive over. She's got this beautiful dentist's office 
big flat screen TV in the lobby. I was like blown away. She'd been in the country like less than a year and had this full-fledged dental practice. Wow. I was like, man, great job. Amen. Yeah, well, I wanted you to bless it. She lifted her hands. You know, I don't know how to bless it. So I said, I bless your business in Jesus' name. Amen. And she opened her eyes like confused, like, is that it? And that's it. You know, I don't know what else to say. I said, well, God bless you. And I, I believe it'll, it'll, it'll increase. And I go to leave. And she goes, wait, I got something for you. She hands me a white purse. She said, I wanted to give you this for your wife. I like saying, yeah, if you're giving me that up front, I'd have like said four or five more sentences. Amen. <laughs> so I, I said, well, thanks. And I never had anybody do anything like that for me before. So I go home, and Adonis goes, how was it blessing that lady's business? We lived in a little 800-square-foot apartment. If you wanted to give somebody a tour of the house, you just had them stand in the middle of the room, <laughs> twirl them around, and there it is. We used to have the cockroaches say, you people have any food or what? It's like our fourth trip here. How was it blessing that lady's business? I said, it was great. She was so nice. Look what she got you. And she sees the white purse. Like I told you, my wife had this black. I don't even know if it was real leather or not. With all the edges were like brown from being worn out. So immediately she takes the white purse, unzips it, and gets ready to transfer the contents. So she opens the side compartment, and she goes, look. There's a $100 gift card to, I think, Cheesecake Factory. Man, you know you're skinny when people from other countries are coming to America and giving you food. Hey, you, you really need to eat something, man. I preached in Central Africa. The ladies all were making me food. I made them laugh. I said, I must be the first missionary in missionary history that came to Africa and you fed them. Like, listen, man, you need to eat. You are too skinny. So this lady does it. She gets me a $100 gift card, and, uh, and then she unzips the other pocket. There's another $100 uh, dollar gift card to, I think, like Longhorn Steakhouse. She gets her a nice purse. I can't remember what designer it was, but it was a nice one. Then those two cards. Then Adonis opens the big compartment, to, and there's an envelope, and she opens it up. I had had people give me $100 like three times in my life. It was a check made out to me for $1,000. Now, listen. I know they say money's not supposed to make you happy, but when your net worth just went up 10 times, it's very hard to pretend you're not happy. And something came over me right then that was so like, just like blown away. That now, I know a thousand doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're at minus 137, minus 500, 100, 200. If we ever had like 700 in the bank, we felt like we were like the Monopoly guy, like with the cane. <laughs> now a thousand. I grabbed that check and started dancing out of like, crap, like just dancing. And you know, I was raised Pentecostal. We weren't allowed to dance, so I don't know any moves. <laughs> because the only way you were allowed to dance would be in church. And even then, it had to be in the spirit. And anytime anyone danced, they'd go, that's not the spirit, sit down. So there was no dancing. So all I knew was like the junkyard dog from WWF. 
And so I'm just like, you know, I said I'm dancing. It was like I was having like a seizure in slow motion. <laughs> and like I told you, my wife's Puerto Rican and you dance in the Caribbean and she didn't get saved till she was 16. So she can dance. So when I'm dancing, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. She, I look over, we don't remember, she's like doubled over, pointing at me. And I go, what are you laughing at? She goes, you, what are you doing? I said, I'm dancing. She went, no, you're not. She's laughing. I she keeps laughing. And finally I said, I said, you know, the Lord did this for us. It's not like I... I didn't say one thing to that lady. Like, you know, I don't know how we're going to get to West Virginia tomorrow. I mean, I, I acted like I had it together. And I knew the Lord did that. It was not manipulated, but it was a blessing from God. And, and I said, I said to Adonis, kind of sternly, I said, don't laugh at me. You dance with me. We should show the Lord that we're thankful for this. And she looked at me like, are you serious? You know, we'd only been married like two years. We don't, weren't like comfortable like that. So I said, yeah, I'm serious. So she's like reluctantly... You know, saucing or whatever. <laughs> and I went into my room. I know this sounds like a fictional story, but you, you can call my wife up and ask her. She'll tell you. I went into my room, and something came out of my spirit. Put Psalm 67.5 up on the board, which I did not know was a scripture. Psalm 67.5. Man, if we dismissed right now, it's been a good night. Amen. But we're going to put the icing and cherry on and you're going to go home singing a new song. He has done marvelous things. He has done marvelous things. He has done marvelous things for me. Supernatural God. Supernatural God. He has done wonderful things for me. I have reason to rejoice. Hallelujah. God's going to give you a new song. Your mouth is going to sing a different tune from now through December. Saying, surely the Lord has done great things for me. What joy. Now, I didn't know this was in the Bible. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. Verse 6. What will happen when you praise him? Praise provokes your harvest, which I didn't know. And I went into the, my room, and I had an idea. I said, Father, if it makes you laugh or entertains you, anywhere like it made my wife laugh, I'll make you a deal. Every time you bless me, I'll dance. And I will dance in proportion to the blessing. So if you have somebody hand me $5 and a Pentecostal handshake, I'll give you a little twist. <laughs> if you have somebody give me a thousand like you did today, I will celebrate it. I will not take it for granted. You're helping me. As soon as it left my mouth, I thought, that's the stupidest thing. If my presbyter heard me say that, he'd probably strip my credentials, making some kind of weird deal with God. I'll dance if you bless me. Uh, well, nobody heard me, so whatever. And I told my wife what I said. And we go to go out the next day, and my wife said, before we go, let me check the mail. I said, Adonis, I don't want to check the mail. Back then, the mail was just bad news. <laughs> and we're going to a church. The church I was going to had 25 seats. Everybody say increase. increase. I got a C in math, but there's more than 25 seats in this room. If you keep going, God will keep blessing. 
That's why the devil tries to talk you into quitting. He can't stop you and he can't stop your blessing. He can only discourage you to quit. But from today, the spirit of faith will propel you where you will never quit. You will never be discouraged. You'll always go forward. So I said, I said, Adonis, we're going to this little church. You know, I'm believing God that we'll get enough gas money to come back. Rural West Virginia. I said, I don't want to read some kind of bill or whatever and have that hanging over my head. There's a warrant out for my arrest because of something I forgot to pay. It gets quiet. Because we're in Alaska, like 40% of the population is from the lower 48, dodging warrants. This is the only state you meet people who say, hey, nice to meet you. What's your name? Jim. What's your last name? Just Jim. Where do you live? Not important. <laughs> so I, I told her, I was like, please, we'll get it when we get back. She said, Jonathan, you told me to be in charge of the house and paying the bills, so I need to check the mail. Let me check the mail. So we, I said, okay, I reluctantly pulled the car in. We lived in Virginia Beach. There's a naval base called Oceana. Oceana, it's the largest naval base in the world. And so there's a strip mall where the post office is. So it's like a huge parking lot with tons of people. So I'm, I'm listening to the ESPN radio. She, she goes in, like sitting there, irritated. And then she comes back from the mail room with a letter torn open with something hanging out of it and flips it across the armrest onto my lap. And the, I knew what that was because the way it worked was if there were small problems, she took care of them. If there's, like, somebody's going to jail. <laughs> so when she flipped that thing on my lap, I just, I said, now do you see why I told you not to check the mail? This is the last thing I need to read. And she cut me off. Just open it. All right. It's a letter. Hey, Jonathan. I didn't have any ministry partners back then. No one was interested in partnering. Hey, Jonathan, we were praying for you today. And we just want you to know that we believe in what you're doing. And we hope this helps. We felt the sentence to you. Check for uh, $2,000. Well... My eyebrows went up. You know, God will begin to change your expectation from today. Where you'll go from dreading getting the mail to fighting over who gets to check the mail. Because it's not going to be trouble and calamity pursuing you. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Somebody shout, I receive it. I receive it. Well, a deal's a deal. I looked at Adonis and got out of the car, and I started dancing. Now I'm not in my apartment. I'm in a parking lot full of people. And I, I said to Adonis, I said, you know, I'm dancing. I mean, I'm keeping the deal. I'm holding the check. Thank you, God. And I said to Adonis, get out of the car. You got to dance. We, I made a deal. She said, where are there people everywhere? I said, she gets out, opens the car door, and holding onto the car door is like, And I'm out dancing. Cause, I mean, I just went from like 300 bucks to 3,300 bucks. And I didn't have any staff or anything. You know, like, I know now that's not that much money. But like then, it might as well have been like $3.3 million. And so I'm dancing hard. And I have plenty of space in every direction. Women are hurrying their kids. Don't look at the man, honey. Don't look at the man. Don't look at the man. Don't make eye contact with him. Don't look at him. Don't look at him. Get my cell phone. Somebody call 911. 
drive to West Virginia. Now I'm smiling. Now I'm thinking I'm, I'm going to testify about that for the rest of my life. And, and we get to there, and this old farmer-looking guy, flannel shirt, like if you were casting someone to be West Virginia, this white beard, faded flannel shirt and jeans. If you were scouting the crown for people that had money, you would not have picked that guy. And he hits it off with my wife because they started talking about guns. And like I told you, my wife didn't know you could own guns. She was from Massachusetts where you can't really have one. And so when she hears, she's like, you have guns? And my wife's like whispering. Like, yeah, I have guns. And my wife's like looking around. Like, no, you, 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 know, you want to like say that out loud? You want to whisper? I'm like, no, you can own guns. And he starts telling her. She's like, I can shoot it? Yeah, you can shoot it. Why don't you ask your husband, if you want, you can come over to my farm and we'll shoot. So we come over. That, that, that led to like an obsession. My wife's like loving, making up for lost time now. <clears throat> so she goes over. We shoot all day. Actually, she shot. I just let her. She's shooting. She actually beat him. She went 22 for 22, and he went 21 for 22. And he, he tried to act like it was okay with him, but you could tell he wasn't happy. My wife's got, a, you know, my wife looks like she's from, like, the Bronx. She's got on, like, six-inch hoop earrings. Looks like they should come with a parakeet, four-inch heels, blowing targets away. So when she gets all done, we have lunch. We have dinner with him and his wife. And then when we go to leave, we thank them. They gave us dinner. We shot all that stuff. And they had a great time. And then he said, hold on a second. He goes into a back room, and he comes out, and he hands me a white envelope that was thick. I said, I wanted to give this to you. I said, thanks. And honest to God, I was not excited at this point because I had had people hand me envelopes all the time, like 24 pages of a prophetic dream they had. You know. There are a few things that you preached last night, Reverend, that I have questions on. You know, So I'm like, okay, whatever. Thanks. And I take it in the car, and I'm back. <laughs> Others may have experienced that. So we're back in, I'm back in the car up, on like a one-lane dirt road as the sun's setting. I mean, it's like a movie. And uh, I got out of eyesight of them as they're waving because you want to have just enough class not to open it in front of them. And then I open it as I'm backing up, and it, the road was so narrow I had to take my full attention. So I just took one hand and took it out without looking at it. And then I looked down, and on the outside was 100. I thought, there's no way this is all 100s. This is probably like the wad I used to have, which was like a hundred, and then like six inches of McDonald's receipts from 1998. In case I ever wanted to return a Big Mac from when Bush was president. Hold on to that Big Mac receipt from 1992. That might come in handy. So, second bill. Second. <laughs> second bill, 100. Third bill, 100. Then you can tell they're all 100, so I start counting them. I count it, 36. Count it again, 36. And then my wife goes, what was in the envelope? Now, this feels good to do. I took the $3,600 bills and threw it on her lap. And she picked it up and looked, and she said, pull the car over. I pulled the car over. Before I came to a stop, she was out dancing. 
I came out and started dancing. A golden retriever ran over the hill and started dancing. And brother, we've been dancing ever since because the Bible says when you praise the Lord, then the earth shall yield its harvest. Instead of celebrating what's against you, celebrate what's for you. Give God the praise ahead of time and you won't even have to fight. And the earth shall stand on your feet. Begin to praise God. Begin to give him back praise. For the Lord is good. Praise him. Praise him in advance for where he's taking you. Listen. Listen real quick. On the count of three, I want you to praise God for two things. I want you to praise God for praise that you owe, and I want you to praise God on credit. Praise him ahead of time for where he's taking you. Because any time Israel praised God ahead of time, they never had to fight. Praise destroys what's against you. And praise releases what God said belongs to you. Let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. At 2 in the morning on the East Coast, you join with us. Wherever you're watching, join us. And here in Alaska, we're going to do what the Bible said. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. On the count of three, I want you to let out a shout and then begin to dance. Move those legs. You know, David said, let all that is within me bless his holy name. How do you get everything that's within you to, to praise God? How do you get your kidneys to praise God? How do you get your liver to praise God? When you dance, everything jiggles. That's how you get everything that's within you to praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That doesn't belong on the dance floor. That doesn't belong at a concert. That doesn't belong at a hockey game. That belongs to the God of heaven who redeemed us and put one, two, three. strong right hand. You took me into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. He brought me out. He brought me out of the miry clay. Come on, Alaska. 30 more seconds. Everything that's in me. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now that you've praised him, lift both your hands and begin to worship him out of your mouth. Great are you, Lord. Worthy of praise. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you that I'm not under the curse. Thank you for being under the blessing of God. 
Kishta babra guste bani amato. Ibana reboste babraga. Igondo ramani araba. He'll bring you out. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what's never entered into the heart of man. That's what God has prepared for those that love him. He'll be too good to you. He'll be too good for you. Lift both hands all over the room. From today, you'll never have to ask the Lord for personal needs. You'll only pray, Father, who to bless. Who would you like me to impact? Where would you like me to put this seed? You will never be broke another day in your life. Poverty has lost your address as of 10 o'clock tonight. You'll never lack. You'll never be forsaken. God is bringing you right now into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. With your hands lifted. I even feel an extra thing in my spirit that every strategy that's been launched behind closed doors at a state level, at a national level, and at a global level to keep the common man down. Just like God blew the system up in Egypt. They were working and getting no money. And God blew it up. And he said, before you leave, ask your Egyptian captors for their silver and gold and they will give it you. And in this way will you plunder the Egyptians. I tell you tonight, the wealth that's in the hands of the wicked is flowing into the hands of the righteous. If you're willing and obedient, you'll taste the grapes. You'll go into the land. You're not going to die in the wilderness. You're going to live in the land that God has for you. You're going to leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I'll never be broke. Another day in my life. I've been redeemed from poverty and lack. I have a big dream. It will not require the help of any man. It requires the supernatural blessing of God. And I partake of it tonight. Just lift your hands and begin to thank him out of your mouth one more time. Thank him ahead of time that he's taken you to a big land. Big, big dream, big impact, big building. My pastor friend from California, just lift both your hands. You don't even have to come out. When you go to the place that God's called you to go, just take your pick of buildings. Take the one you want. There'll be one you see that jumps in your spirit, and it won't make sense. I've, you know, just starting out. And, yeah. But I'm telling you, the Lord, will, well, the Lord will supernaturally. When you see the one that makes your heart jump, put your feet on the ground. Go meet with the guy and watch what the Lord does for you. There's not enough time left for you to start and take 10 years to build. The Lord is going to accelerate supernaturally the work that he's called you to do.
Let me just tell you something that might be news to a lot of people. You can live where you want. You can drive what you want. You know one reason I like preaching in Alaska? It's one of the only places you can preach where people don't have a big deal about planes and private aircraft because they're a necessity up here. Alaska's like the only state if they find out a preacher has a plane, they're like, I have three. Because Alaska actually understands what a plane is that CNN can't seem to understand. It's a tool. What does a preacher need a jet for? Same reason everybody else needs one, to fly. If you're going to preach in Laredo, Texas on Sunday, and you're going to preach in Alaska Monday at noon, you really can't do it commercial air travel. I, I barely made it. I made it an hour early. Rerouted the flights, everything. I left right after this. I, mean, I was wearing the same outfit. So you can only do so much having TSA molest you and then having them delay the flights and all that. If you're going to preach in Anchorage one night and Singapore the next night and Tokyo the night after that and Shanghai the night after that, you ain't going to do it on a bicycle. God's not broke. And I want you to say this. I'm not broke. Say, I have a seed. That's right. So you don't worry about how much you need. You check out what's in your hand. And you ask the Lord, what's in your hand that would be a seed that will actually provoke the thing that will cause your dream to come true? Isn't it amazing that when Elijah came to the widow's house, he never said one thing about his ministry? He never said anything about him getting ready to confront the prophets of Baal. I could really use your help. All he said is, you have enough left for one meal. It's not enough. If you make some for God first and give it to me, your cruise of oil will overflow and your jar of grain will never run out. So she did as Elijah said, and her and her household did eat for many days, verse 16, and no matter how much they used. That's the type of God prosperity. I don't even concern myself with our budget anymore. If it's required, I make the move and the money comes without any kind of effort. Because the Bible says if you do it right, no matter how much you use, there will always be plenty left over. I've been trying my hardest to hit bottom for the last, especially the last five years. And I can't do it. When I preached in Penn State, that student said, how much do you want me to pay you? How much do you charge? I said, I don't charge anything. And I'm not taking any money from you. You're a student that put this on. The DJs are charging... You know, they charge you $23,000 for the permit. I don't want to say, well, you know, give me an extra. No, I'll, 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 what a privilege for you to round up a 1,000 students that never heard the gospel. And then as I'm leaving the field, as you heard me tell them, i got to drive straight to Ohio. I'm leaving the field, and people start running up next to me like I'm Forrest Gump when he was jogging and handing me money. And I never took an offering or anything. I said, thank you. And I, I never broke stride because I really needed to go, like now. Needed to drive five hours to get to the church. Thank you, thank you. I get in the vehicle, turn it on, and out of curiosity, take it out to look. Fifty, what, $200. Even the camera crew that I hired came and gave, and they weren't Christians. They were so moved by that. And when I counted that money up, $5,200, I felt the Lord speak to me. Son, you will never do anything for me for free. The harvester pays the laborers. You serve a supernatural God. You don't have to manipulate anything. You don't have to GoFundMe account. You don't, have, you don't have to put up begging Facebook posts. Does anyone know where I can get a couch? Yeah, the couch store. 
creative ways of begging. So that someone can say, okay, you can have my couch, and you say it's a miracle, and it's not. You begged it out of people. But you can live in a way with God. You'll never have to make anybody aware of your needs. Before any need arises, the provision will be there ahead of time from tonight till Jesus comes. That is your portion in Jesus' mighty name. Go ahead and give the Lord one more great hand clap. Take your seats. Dismiss you in just a couple minutes. Turn to Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26, verse 1. When you enter the land the Lord God is giving you as a special possession and have conquered it and settled there, put some of the first fruits of your harvest into a basket and bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. Go to the priest in charge at that time and say. Everybody say say. say. So it's not just the giving, it's the saying. There's a profession of faith that should be made when you give. It says right here. And it's going to say the second place. And that's what we're going to do tonight. Yeah, yeah, took all this time to take an offering. I'm going to take about five minutes to take an offering. I was teaching on dreams and blessing. I don't even know why I'm, I'm not in the lower 48. People in Alaska are not bound up about money. They're cool. Walking around with gold nuggets. Go to the priest in charge of that time and say, what does they say? What are you to say? With this gift, I acknowledge to the Lord your God that I have entered the land he swore to our ancestors he would give us. The priest will then take the basket from your hand and set it before the altar of the Lord your God. You must then say, so there's a second thing. My ancestor Jacob was a wandering Aramean who went to live as a foreigner in Egypt. His family arrived few in number, but in Egypt they became a large and mighty nation. And when the Egyptians oppressed and humiliated us by making us their slaves, we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and he heard our cries and saw our hardship, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand and a powerful arm and with overwhelming terror and with miraculous signs and wonders. And he brought us to this place and gave us this land flowing with milk and honey. And now, O oh Lord, I have brought you the first portion of my harvest. You have given me. The place, the produce, then place the produce before the Lord your God and bow to the ground and worship. And afterward, so afterward you go and celebrate. You can dance all you want. If you don't give anything, you're just going to get sweatier and poorer. But the Bible says after you give, then you celebrate ahead of time what God's going to do. Now, the Old Testament looked back to the Passover. The New Testament looks back to Calvary. So they say, I was a wandering Aramean in a foreign land and you brought me out of Egypt. But we say, I was lost in sin and under the oppression, not of Pharaoh, I was under the oppression of the devil. But you brought me out with your strong right hand. And now, he didn't just bring us out of sin. He didn't just bring us out of Egypt. He brought them to a land that's flowing. He doesn't just deliver you out of sin. He creates a place for you to prosper on this earth. Canaan was not heaven. There's no giants in heaven. And so you're to say, you brought me out of sin. And now you've brought me to this land flowing with milk and honey. And I give this to you to show my worship. I'm debating whether to say this or not. I hope you take it the right way. Because I'm not, you know, my son was born May 4th and died May 5th. He was alive 15 hours. 
When I went to the church to pray for him, I'm not saying this to move anybody emotionally. I'm making a point about thankfulness and honoring God with your wealth. I went to the church to pray. I had just been teaching the last two weeks about how anytime you appear before God, you're supposed to give an offering. So as I'm praying, I'm thinking, I should even give an offering. Even though my son's on life support and they're saying it's not looking good, you know, he's born like in the 25th week and he ended up passing away. I start praying and an overwhelming thankfulness rose up out of my spirit because my wife also hemorrhaged and they almost had to do a, uh, uh, they already did the emergency, what's the, the hysterectomy, take all her organs. And they narrowly avoided that. And then, you know, 50 years ago, we wouldn't have just been burying my son. We'd have been burying my wife and my son. So I said, Father, I'm praying for my son, and I commit him to you. And I'm trusting you for a miracle. But I also want to tell you, thank you. Because without you, we'd be having two major problems right now where I could be a widower and have lost my son. I have to raise my six-year-old daughter by myself, and you kept my wife alive. And so I want to say thank you. And I went there to pray for my son, and I ended up just thanking God and telling him, if you never did one other thing for me, and I, he will because it's his nature. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, if you never did anything for me from age 38 till age 90, you did so much for me from zero to 38 that I would never exhaust my debt of praise. And I'm walking around the sanctuary telling the Lord that in the church by myself, and then I felt to give him an offering. And, so, and I felt to give him... You know, because the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So if this tragedy was intended by the devil to make me slink back from God, I thought, well, if I wrap my heart even stronger in God. So we emptied our savings account, which is a, was a pitiful amount, like uh, 18000 I added 2000 to it to make it an even twenty. And I said, I'm going to give this to you as a vow, as a vow of honor for my wife being alive, for keeping me alive. And just to say thank you, that just so you know, I'm not paying lip service. Not only do I not hold any of this against you, I'm thankful for all you've done. Amen. And so I, ha- I get that check ready, and before I, and I did that. And at the church, I said, I acknowledge, Father, the Shuttlesworth family, none of us went to church. We were all going to hell. You sent Jesus and brought us out. Now you've brought us to a good land flowing with milk and honey. And, and this represents my best, because it's my be- I left myself about four, you know, I hate telling how much I have, because it's pathetic. Everybody knows I'm a prosperity preacher. When you hear how much money I have, it's like, I don't think he's that much of a prosperity preacher. So I left myself with four grand uh, just to pay whatever bills would be outstanding in that week or whatever we had to do with the hospital and then gave, got a check ready for 20 and I knew where I was going to sew it. So before I could get the check out, the next day, or it may have been two days, it was two days later, my son passed the next day and then, but I had already made the covenant with God and the next day, I get a letter from a church in Texas that I hadn't preached at in a long time. And they said, we heard what happened to your son, and we can't do anything about the immense pain you must feel about that. However, we can do something to help with the, the medical bills. We took an offering for you and on Sunday morning, and 25000 came in, and we're adding 25000 to it from our savings. So we got a check. This is not for the ministry. This is for you personally. So we get a check for 50000 before I can get the 20000 in. Now, I'm telling you that, again, I didn't, not to drag what happened with my son and let's say you feel bad and give. I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm not affected. I will see my son again in heaven, and I'll raise him. It's fine. I'm saying it because my motivation in giving, I was in the church by myself. There was nobody up there saying, we need a new roof panel, or the church needs new carpeting, or we need a new bathroom. If people have to beat an offering out of you, you'll never be blessed. 
Pastor, we, have a, um, we got some money uh, from an inheritance, and we have a rather large tithe, but we wanted to meet with you to see what you're going to spend it on. Then keep it. This is not PBS, where you give and become like have say in what PBS does. It's not a stock. You present it as worship. The priest receives it on behalf of Christ. But the blessing comes from Christ. Hebrews chapter 7. Your tithe and offering is received by men on earth. But it is received in heaven. By him who it has witnessed, he liveth forever. Jesus actually receives it. Just like in the Old Testament. Put it in a basket. The priest will place it. And the Lord will receive it. And as soon as your giving changes from thinking you need to help God build something to, Lord, I was on my way to hell. You broke me out. I could have been dead. My wife could have been dead twice. Found her another time. Five years ago, hemorrhaged 37% of her blood out with white lips. Passed out on the toilet with her head laying on the sink. I could be a widower twice, and I like her a lot. I want her with me. I like her. I'm not saying she's not here. I'm not one of these preachers like puffing my wife. She don't even hear me. It's 218 where she's at. I'm telling you whether she ever hears it or not. I like that chick. (laughs) Me and her get along. She is like really good to me. And when when I almost lost her, that one would have been tough for me. That one would have taken me a little bit. And so I'm thankful. And I tell everybody that's here, if you've ever lost anything, it's only because of God that you haven't lost everything. So quit moaning about what you lost and celebrate what, number one, you're alive. And like my dad, Tiff sings with the guitar and the cowboy boots. If you've got nothing left but God, you have enough to start again. Hallelujah. He's a good God. That won't be the last. The Bible says you get a hundredfold back. The 50 is just the beginning. Because God said, if you just will keep me involved, let me know that you haven't crossed over into thinking now you're smart. And you still remember that it's me that did it. And you prove it because where your treasure is, there your heart is. Talk's cheap. Money, Money has your heart attached to it. So when you give it, you're letting God know. I'm letting you know that as big as you've made me on this earth, now I don't have minus $300. Now I don't have a smashed-in car. Now I have 17 full-time employees that we pay and have never had to withhold checks. But I want you to know that the same way I felt when I was nine, that without you I'm nothing, and I need your help, and I need open doors, I still feel that way more at 38 and And God said, if you'll do that, then I will keep the milk and honey flowing. I won't lose your address. Stay thankful and prove your love. Well, giving doesn't prove your love. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this this offering will give you an opportunity to prove that your love is genuine. Giving proves. Anybody can pop off. I believe in world missions. I believe the world. But then when you give, It really shows it. Because it's money I could have taken and done anything else with. What a flip in mentality. Again, you know, it would have been very easy. 
I don't know how much my medical bills are going to be, and then we have to have the funeral and, and all that. And, you know, I could, but I'm not doing that. How about, how about if stuff's going to cost a lot of money, I'll just get rid of it. I already know what it's like to be at minus 337. I don't care. I'll give it to you. I'm going to hold on. Let go. The song they should play at offering time in church is the Disney song from Anna and Elsa, Let It Go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Let, let that Ben Franklin go. Let that money go. We're clinging on to it. What, are you gonna do? what was I going to do with 20 grand anyway? Can't buy a house, can't buy a car. What are you going to do? Be frustrated? Try to turn it and make it what it's not? You can give it back to God. And the same God that made minus 337, 20,000, if you keep it going, will take you where you never dreamed you could go. So when we receive the offering night, and if you're here for the first time, I didn't take one last night. You think this was a big offering message. You missed me. But I'm going to tell you, if you're going to preach on this, you might as well preach the whole thing so that you don't know a preacher who has a testimony. It, you know, it's actually wrong. You rob the people to preach something like this and then just have everybody shout and pray and dismiss. Because you only told them part of what you did. Abraham was a giver. Isaac was a giver. Jacob was a giver. David was a, like, an ins, like drunk people give at a casino. David gave to the Lord. Six billion dollars in one offering. 112 tons of gold out of his own private treasure. And so if it doesn't hit you in your spirit, keep it. But if you, and I'm in Alaska, you know, tonight would be a great night to give, number one, out of a motivation of love for God and where he's brought you from, but then secondly, and I want you to say it, not only where he brought you from, and Father, as I give this to you, the dream that you put in my heart, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, I thank you that you're taking me there now. And what you give tonight, you should put it as a seed for the big dream you have. Because you're not going to get there on 600 bucks. You're not going to get there on $2,000. It's going to take tens of millions minimum. Let me just tell you, a million's not a lot. You think it's a lot when you don't have it, and then it's not a lot. We'll go through 3.1 million this year minimum, and we're not even barely doing anything. I'm on TV like half an hour a day. You could be on like, like 20 hours a day, just getting people saved around the clock. Three million, five million, seven million. I don't know what the church costs. It's a lot. And I, you should want to go somewhere in life where your tithe buys the church. Like one tithe. Pastor Daniel, I heard you're building a church. What is it? Five one, five seven, seven two. The seven, seven two might be seven three. Well, here's seven four. You can buy yourself something nice when you're done. And it'd be your tithe. It's only the tithe off 74 million. And I got to 3.1 a year and the world hates it. Shuttlesworth took in 1.7 million last year. Wait till you see what I take in this year. You'll be even more bound up on your intestines. Because today's the smallest I'll be. The God that took me from minus 337 to 3.1 is not finished with me yet. And as I keep honoring him with my best, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, never has it entered into the heart of man what God has reserved for those that love him. 
We're going to receive the offering in a few minutes. Just ask the Lord what he'd have you to give. And I believe most of you, he's already told you, if you're sensitive to the Spirit, give a seed that's going to take you to the next level. Or you can just sit and stare at me. Your pick. But tonight's a night where you can give. Look at everybody shouts on the praise part, and then it gets, gets very Episcopal on the giving part. Because shouting's free. But when you learn to take what represents your best and give it before the Lord, it'll give you a reason to shout. I promise you. I'll give you a second to write it out. And if you're making out a check, you make it out to King's Chapel. And then they have ways to give by text. If you're watching online and like to give, some people are so allergic to offerings, they shut the computer at offering time like I can see them. But if you're still on, there's all the ways to give. There's nights where there's an anointing to pray for the sick. And there's nights where there's an anointing for God to prosper his people. And this is the latter. Because it doesn't do any good to be healthy and broke. Just like it doesn't do any, any good to be at death's door with a few million in the bank. Give you a couple minutes. Well, we're down to the last four meetings. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, Friday morning, Friday night, and then I'm off to Massachusetts. So don't miss a service. You got four left, and they're going to be the greatest four. Obviously, anyone can tell this week blew last week out of the water, and God always saves the best for last. Thursday and Friday will blow Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday out of the water. Can you say Amen. Don't give out of compulsion or reluctantly. Give something that has your heart attached to it and watch what God does. I said watch what God does. It is more blessed to give than to receive. The blessing stays with the giver. Now that you have that and you're filling it out, every head bowed, every eye closed, before I pray for you before the offering, God doesn't receive offerings from wicked people. You can't buy your salvation. The first thing you have to do is be born again. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, publicly, not you believe in Jesus or you believe in God, have you ever publicly given your life to, to Christ? I talked about how we're the bride of Christ. What's the difference between a girlfriend, a fiance, and a bride? All three love the guy. But only one, the bride, has stood at an altar and made a public covenant, I am with you forever. That's where altar calls were birthed out of. You come out of the crowd and be separate and pledge your life by symbol at an altar that I come into covenant with you, O Lord. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, but you've just sat through a three-hour and 28-minute service, you didn't storm out, obviously there's been some kind of draw in your life to bring you here, and to keep you here, that it's ministered to your spirit. Like water when you're thirsty, you realize this is what I need. But you have to come on into the inside. You can't just sit and hear the word of God. Christ has to enter into your heart. Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and share a meal with him as a friend. 
If you've never let Jesus in, or you once did and you fell away, and you say, I'm coming back, tonight can be the first night in a long time, or maybe ever, that you lay your head to your pillow and have total peace with God and realize if there's a 10.9 earthquake tonight and the whole thing goes, the whole world ends, I'm going to heaven. My spot is secure. I've turned my back on sin and I've given my life to Jesus Christ. June 12, 2019 is my new birthday. That's the day I kiss the devil goodbye and that's the day I welcome Christ into my heart. If you've never done that or you once did and fell away and you need to do that tonight, I want you to quickly put your hand up high and wave it at me and we'll pray. I see you in the back. I see you on the side. I see you in the back here. Keep your hand up. I see you. Anybody else before we pray? Very quickly, everybody lifted a hand and meant business with God and I know you did. Alaskans do not have a problem with boldness. Just stand to your feet and come to the altar right now and we'll pray. Come right now. Tonight's your night. Come right now. In the name of Jesus. Make a public stand. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Come right to, to the front. God bless you. Anybody else before we pray? I think that was everybody. Lift both hands to the Lord. Close your eyes and pray this prayer of faith after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus Christ is King of kings, Lord of lords, and my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Fill me with your power. Where I was weak, make me very strong. In Jesus' name. Now declare this out of your mouth. I am saved. I am a Christian. God is my Father. Heaven is my home. I'll never turn back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stay right where you're at. Put one hand on your lungs and heart. Lift the other one up to the Lord. The beginnings of COPD and respiratory problems leaves your life right now. In Jesus' name. There it is. Yep. Come right out. Come out! In Jesus' name. You have healthy lungs and you'll live a long time. Put your hand where your heart is. Any cardiovascular problems in you, the Lord gives you a strong heart. Your blood, there it is. Your blood levels go to normal. In Jesus' mighty name. And you are healthy as a horse. You should be blessed. God bless you. Every unclean cell in your lungs. There. It comes all out. You're not going to have any trouble. You can tell the Lord's taking it out of you. You stay down for a while. Just relax. Amen. You can tell. It all lifted. Amen.
There it is. That's right. He loves you. Battle's over. Sins are all forgiven. I was a wandering Aramean in a foreign land, but you brought me out. And you brought me into a land that was flowing with milk and honey. You don't have to be under bondage. And you don't have to be in some in-between land, out of bondage, but you certainly aren't in a land, just some middle wilderness. No. There's a Canaan with your name on it. I said, there's a Canaan with your name on it. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hey, hey. How, felt good? Love you. How come I know you? When did I meet you? This trip or before? Lift your other hand to the Lord. Be blessed in Jesus' name. I know you've had many great years. I'll just give you this word from the Lord. I don't I just know I talked to you one time and that you were like super nice. You actually remind me of that guy in West Virginia that my, my wife met. I know you've had many good years, says the Lord. But remember, when I told Solomon I'd make him rich, he was already rich. And so though you've known my blessing and have had many good years, the last six months of this year will be the greatest six months you've ever had. And then it'll increase from there. You're going to have a great life, great fun. In Jesus' name. Let me just take a lap. No, I'm not. I don't want the building to cave in. He's up on the ketamine. Hallelujah. Praise God. great summer. Yeah, I want to be blessed. I don't want my wife, to have, or my uh, daughter, Camila, when she gets older and gets married. I want to be able to get married when she's like 20, 21. I don't have to wait till she's like 41 so she has enough money to get an apartment like it how it is in Europe now. It's a, it's a scheme to keep everybody bound. Amen. And God's going to break his people out. In fact, I'll just run my mouth a little bit while I'm in the anointing. I'm going to buy land, 
and I'm going to build a house for my daughter before she's uh, out of college and just give it to her as a gift. And uh, then when she and her husband get married, they can already just have a house paid for and then they can start having kids when they're young. And then when somebody sneers at him, must be nice to have a rich father. She goes, that's right. It is very nice. Amen. Amen. All of the struggles that you knew growing up, your children will never know one of them. It only takes one person in a family to break the barrier and it's broken for good. You won't live off the bottom of the barrel anymore. You'll live off the top of the barrel. And the barrel will never run dry. Life's not meant to be a struggle. It's meant to be a blessing. I'll read six verses to you and then I'll leave you alone for the night. The Lord is my shepherd. I'll never lack anything. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, not camp in, walk through, I will never be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup of blessing overflows. My cup of blessings overflows. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say, thank you, Father. My cup of blessings overflows. Surely, not hopefully, surely, goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. My nephew Jay's back there that travels with me. We pulled out of our house that we rented in, uh, was it Big Lake? And these two dogs from across the street ran out chasing our car. And that's what goodness and mercy are to do to you as a Christian. You just go about and like two dogs that are obsessed with you. Goodness and mercy come and track you down. Lift both hands all over this place. Anyone that needs work, you're not only going to have an open door for work, you're going to have gainful employment. Not you running yourself silly for some little meager paycheck that's not even enough to get by. I command doors to come open for everybody that needs gainful employment before Friday. And then I also pray what I feel in my spirit, that there would be a major breakthrough in regards to that building on the hill. By Friday at midnight, when I get on that plane, that the whole thing will have just broken. And you'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Five and a half, six and a half of the verses deal with here. 
and the last half deals with heaven. Most churches you go to, six and a half deal with heaven, and they don't tell you anything about here. God's not just interested in you going to heaven. God's interested in you bringing heaven down to earth while you're here. Government's not going to solve any problems. The church is going to solve it. And we are all living stones in that house. So find your role, get anointed, get your money from heaven, and bust the devil's teeth down his throat. Can you say amen? Tomorrow at what time? Twelve. And then again at seven, and then it's the last day. You don't have to see me again for a long time. But we're going to knock it out of the park, these last four services. So I'll see you at noon. Welcome Pastor Daniel to give you a proper benediction and give Jesus one more great hand clap all over the place. Hallelujah. Ushers, would you please bring the buckets up and symmetrically place them up front. Glory to God. God, we thank you that we were lost and broken, bound, like wandering Armenians. And you set us free. We celebrate you tonight. We glorify you tonight. And thank you that goodness indeed, mercy, follow us all the days of our life. And we'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And thank you for the word of the Lord that's run swiftly. True. Thank you for the arrows of truth that were sharp in the heart of the king's enemies tonight. Thank you for the blessing of God. We love you. We worship you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's come and give. And we'll close the service just after. Forever you are good, good, good. Forever you are good, good, good. Forever you are good. who served so valiantly back there so that you could be here to receive the word of the Lord. Father, thank you for what you've done and what you do in the next four meetings. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon us. Lift up your countenance towards us, Lord. Be gracious to us. Keep us. Give us peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Ushers, please. See you tomorrow morning prayer at 6 a.m.
Hallelujah. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.